0: To another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites Weekly Podcast, where we talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitali. I've got the usual crew here today. We've got Josh Torres. Hi, hi. We've got Adam Vitali. Hello. James Galizio. Hey, folks. And chowman Wu. How's it going? Uh, like, I assume, many of our listeners, I personally have been spending most of the week playing Xenoblade, and uh, to kind of show how much I'm taking to it, I was like, oh darn, I guess it's time to record the podcast now. I don't know if uh, James has been experiencing the same thing. Uh, Adam and Josh are kind of lucky that they've been able to already play it early, but a few other games did release, potentially in the shadow of Xenoblade, that even though we'll talk about Xenoblade 3 a little bit today as a follow-up uh, from today's introductory discussion, uh, we'll probably spend more time today talking about other recent releases and a few Upcoming ones as our primary focus, though we will give Xenoblade a little bit of time uh, later in the cast. One of the games that we talked about last week, relatively briefly compared to our like seventy minute discussion of Xenoblade Chronicles Three, was of course the game that released pretty much right at the same time, uh, Digimon Survive. And we have a few people on staff that have been looking at this game as a RPG release for the year, and for the podcast that has been carried, that torch has been carried by Josh. Uh, he was able to talk about his initial thoughts. Last week on the podcast about Digimon Survive, but now that he has uh, kind of been able to put Xenoblade on the shelf and focus entirely, well not entirely, a large focus on, Xenobl- on Digimon Survive, I figured that we'd just start there and hand it off to Josh about his time with that game and how he feels about it as a strategy RPG, visual novel hybrid of a well-known popular IP. So Josh, just take it away. Uh, Digimon Survive, we obviously couldn't give it a ton of attention last week, but we've got a chance now, so... Let's just start yeah. out and see what your thoughts on are, are on it.
1: Yeah, Adam and I have been trying to find life after Xenoblade Chronicles Three, and seeing oh, well, what do we do now? That's feel empty. So I, I completed one playthrough of uh, Digimon Survive. Uh, people who have kept up with the news on this game um, know that this is a game that it has like different endings. It has like three different endings and a true ending. To it, so I did like uh, did my initial playthrough on like the the moral ending, and uh, like and I'm trying to do new game plus, but it's uh, like I I don't know if I really like this game. I think I think it's okay, like competent, but there's a lot of um, pre- pretty major downfalls. It's it's, a, it's, it's uh, um, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, I, although we'll never know the full story of the development of this game, I'm really interested to see like just how what happened behind the scenes for this game because it definitely like you know for the, the the change from like witchcraft to hide as the development studio and this game has been like in like development hell for like the last what five six years almost it feels like um, it just it's kind of a it, it, there is one thing that it really does well I lo- that I like is it's actual like visual presentation and like the visual novel segment has like this um anime live 2d look but it's like it's very refined uh the way that you interact with these characters like the the portraits and the way that like you uh how the camera like zooms into like their portrait as you speak to them and then uh, zooms back out like that that's a very cool like neat effect that they have on the visual novel style storytelling The setup like what the game is um it has a very slow beginning uh, this is uh, after like a brief like battle tutorial, like you know, showing off some like characters that you won't get to know about till way later on. Um, you're kind of put into the shoes of this uh main character named Takuma. Takuma is not a silent protagonist. He's uh he's a very active like character. Um, you know, he's his own character. He's not like a blank slate. Um You're you're part of like a summer camp um it, like in uh middle school and uh you like staying at like this school area. And um, at this like remote town, and uh, there's been like somewhat weird reports of like a, of, like a landslide, and like there's like some urban legends that like uh, students have gotten missing in the past uh, at this place because of like there's like a large forest and like it has a very like a uh, a whole like spiritual angle to it. Like you know, there's like shri- shrines uh, around this uh, remote village and all, all that sort of stuff. So um, Takama. Uh, meet some of his friends minoru minoru and Aoi. um they're kind of talking about you know how they're feeling about the the summer camp and about like you know the the place that they're at and then you know they decide to go follow um some of like their uh classmates who uh, who have run off uh you know into into the woods like you know they're feeling adventurous they wanna like find something to do so as they're like um following them they go they like go into like like the deep woods after like crossing like a cavern into there and they notice that there's some weird stuff going on. Like there's very much like callbacks, like the original seasons of Digimon where like a uh, snow in spring is happening. Why is it snowing? It's so weird. And so they start like noticing that there's like this weird phenomenon um, that, the, that they're noticing like, like some like there's like a presence there, but they don't exactly know what's, uh, what's going on as they're trying to find these uh, you know, their classmates. And they also meet with, a, with a, like a local like uh, archaeologist of sorts. That don't uh, he calls himself the professor. So like he's like a, a professor, and but he's like, he's like his main specialty is like um, studying these ancient ruins. So one thing leads to another, and like and Takuma like faces off against like this mysterious creature, uh, which we don't know at the time. Uh, they never call them Digimon. They call them Kimonogami in the, in this uh, in this game. So uh, as he as he's trying to protect everyone from like this hostile Digimon, um, he like uh, falls down like a hole, and then he he ends up like in almost like a mirror version of their reality, where like uh, like things look the same, but like the state of things are different. So like it is like mirror like dimension almost that he falls into.
0: My um, brain is going uh, termina.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um the like he he stumbles upon like the school and the school's like overgrown like broken windows everywhere but moss has like uh grown everywhere it's just like very run down and soon enough like when, like when he uh, gets transported to this world um he also meets Koroman, and then the very first battle there Koroman uh evolves into agumon so there's your partner digimon and then so and then you know it, it, the 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 rest of the game is uh typical like hey go find your friends they've uh, they've made their partner digimon um and try to find out more about this place so it's a it, it's it's very much like kind of dancing to the tune of like what older digimon like anime fans are used to it's a like if you've watched those older seasons of digimon like you know very much called back to that there's like a lot of nostalgia in the game that calls back to those first two seasons, especially like the Digimon selection, like uh, the Digimon selection was like things I remember from the show as a kid. I was like, oh, that's cool. I remember Angemon. I remember Piedmon. I remember Puppetmon. Uh, I remember Palmon, Gomamon, and all that, all those, you know, those those Digimon. It's not like in Cyber Sleuth. And I was like, I didn't recognize these, but then they have like five different permutations. And they also
0: evolve into, like, you know, who the fuck the mon, you know, and all that <laughs> stuff, sort of stuff. Who was the monster that, they, that was originally attacking the shrine?
1: Uh, that's Gotsuman. Uh, the, the, at the very early on, the, that was the Digimon that was attacking you. It's like the rock mo- Digimon filled up with, ro- like, rocks.
0: Uh, I'm looking it up. Oh, yeah, I remember Gotsuman. Yep. All right. Uh, i mean i guess i guess i had to look it up so maybe i didn't yeah. remember i remember i remember what he looked yeah, like the in the yeah you don't have to remember the yeah. name
1: um so the 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 typical structure of the game is like it's split up into several chapters um and the, and the and the, the or 95 percent of the chapters the there the structure is basically start of the chapter there are events like kind of um, introducing like what's like the going to be the premise of this chapter like what what are what is like. The thing that the the survivors or the or the students have to like do it's like you know, one chapter be like oh we need to go investigate this amusement park because we heard that like you know this missing classmate of ours might be there or the or the um the the premise could be like oh we need go to, we need to go travel into these uh, the sewer system because we obtained the key from a prior chapter it's basically just kind of like the reason why like the, the, what you're going to be doing this chapter so you have your opening events. Then you have like a free action uh mode where it's like you know you there's um when you traverse in the game from location to location there's like a menu system that you bring up with your cell phone Uh, you said it's shown in the trailers for it but like you bring up your smartphone and then you kind of decide which um place you want to go and then like it'll indicate on you if there's like a person there or if there's like an event there to progress the main story um and and these consume free action points. So, like for example, if you have like twelve free action points, you can go into like the the music room, and it might have um, Minoru there. And if you talk to Minoru, it'll have like a it'll indicate like with an icon. This will consume a free free action point. So you talk to Minoru, and uh, typically you have like uh, your conversation will lead you to like a multiple choice uh dialogue where like you one of them will uh enhance the character affinity uh for that character or it'll have like uh, a, a decision that'll uh bring more points to either to your moral harmony or wrathful alignment like your karma system of sorts so that's kind of like the the big two like like
0: gameplay systems, systems behind
1: yeah gameplay systems behind like the the split decisions uh there so you know you kind of uh that's a way for you to interact, get your character affinities up, or get your like karma uh, points up. Um, after that, you know, more events will happen, like uh a conflict will arise after like you progress the main story after this initial free action. And then at some point, uh, you know, uh due to like the conflict uh in that chapter, it'll be like an exploration mode now where you have like the same um like system like free action except there are no free action points it's basically just like hey go go do whatever you want um the, none of these points are going to be depleted um so it's still the safety of like going to places um talking to characters you can find hidden items with your cell phone if you want um and you can progress the main story whenever you're ready uh on that and then usually after that you know you it'll lead to events that'll lead up to like the the chapter's like final boss of that chapter. And so forth, and then the loop begins again with the next chapter, and that is that. Like they stick to this structure it's like to a T for most of the game, which is kind of really annoying because like it that doesn't feel very ambitious in that regard. It's like very safe because you are, you already you already ha- anticipate like this is going to happen now uh, with that kind of structure. Um,
0: and how many and, chapters so, are there?
1: Um, there's like twelve uh, uh, at least for the for the ending that I'm at. There's twelve. Um, so, in between like the 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 free action and the exploration phases, where you kind of let, you can go wherever you want to talk to these characters, there's also um, re battles that you can do to like you know grind up your Digimon through the strategy RPG uh, aspect of it, and you can also find uh, uh, battles like in the environment, like when you scan, scan an environment and like oh there's like a thing on my cell phone, and then like when you view like the the scenery of your cell phone something you see like liches in the environment. And like usually it's a, uh, an item like a consumable item item that you can use, or uh it could be like uh a, a, an enemy's trying to ambush you, you can choose whether you want to um battle them or not. And usually you'll have like different Digimon uh available to you uh as opposed to the free battle uh and so forth. Um the strategy RPG uh system of it is pretty bare bones and light for the most part. Um Digimon usually have like a standard attack and then like one unique attack to them and then like so they normally they only have like two attack options and then you can like equip like for like moves to the to them with like items that you get so like um let's say you get like a crystal that's like glacial rain you can equip it to a digimon and then they can activate the. they can now use the glacial rain spell uh and so forth if you want but other than that if you don't equip those items um they're stuck with those two moves and those like other additional um, moves whether it's like another spell or it's like a buff or a debuff, um, they don't really add much either. It kind of just feels like okay, sure. Like if if you want if you want to try to make this character a certain role, uh, it, it it's kind of very slim around the edges there. And you can and those items can also be like take the form of like passive stat buffs as well. So I the, think each Digimon can equip up to two
0: of those at once. Whether it's like another move or another like passive stat increase. Now I know we've um, talked yeah. in the past, both in previewing Digimon Survive, as well as uh, touching on it last week, about the balance between story and strategic, like the 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 strategy RPG gameplay, uh, in the context of like the chapter unfolding and like this that you mentioned how it's very rote and re- kind of repeats itself. Like, how many story battles can you expect to play through per chapter?
1: I mean if you're not doing any of the free battles and like uh not engaging with like the like the ambushes of Digimon like if you're just going with like the main the main game and the story battles you're just you're maybe thinking roughly eleven to twelve
0: uh story oh battles. that's that's actually higher than i thought it would i was expecting to say like three or four but I, no, I don't no, know. I mean,
1: we, there there there's there's a chunk but like you there's like the adventure sections are like way more than like the battle sections like it's, it's the people will still feel that like 70% adventure visual novel mm-hmm. to 30% RPG battle split. Um, you can, you can try to drive out that percentage more with like the free battles, but they're very like, like free battles are just there to like write up stats because later on, if you, if you haven't like, the, like built up your Digimon, you will run into like stat checks that like you just cannot battles, you just like will be very, very difficult to you nearly know, impossible to win if you don't meet certain stat checks because, um, that this game, like in Digimon fashion, like the en- enemies, um, the enemy level progresses by um, digi- Digivolutions or evolutions. Like you know, so most of the enemies you run into will be like rookie form at first. Then, uh, like later on, they will be champion and then ultimate or mega. Or if you're going by the Japanese uh, iteration, it's like it's like perfect and then ultimate, which is perfect is ultimate form in English. And an ultimate is mega form it. <laughs> and and oh, uh, I remember America.
0: that. I, I remember yeah. that from like Cyber Sleuth or something like that. Like, oh yeah, that's how it works. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so like by the end, most of your enemies will be mega. And just if your uh, Digimon is still stuck in champion or ultimate form, it's those are going to be really tough battles because those are just like hard stat checks of like, hey, be, make sure that like your Digimon are like at least uh, high level ultimate uh, forms or like or like mega form. Um... To like just to take these on so so like the for free battles uh and those ambushes like you can actually recruit like digimon on top of like the main story digimon that you that you get um so, and they have like a, a negotiation system um somewhat like smt it's it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of persona too of how, how they handled it where you know you talk to the digimon and then there's like six pips at like above them and then you're you're asked three questions with four with with four responses uh, each, and depending on the responses, those pips will fill up. Like a, a choice may fill up one pip, another choice will fill up two pips, and then other choices may take away pips from them. And you need at least three pips filled up for them to give you the option of like, hey, either d- do you want to recruit me, or I'll give you, or do you want me to give you an item? And then when you when you ask the, them to uh, join you. It's like a, a RNG percentage chance of like, hey, be my friend, but then it'll say like above success rate like forty six percent or twenty five percent. So even and the more that, pips, the more
0: successful or more likely to no, be successful. No, 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 huh?
1: no. Nope. Huh. Nope. So it's it's weird. Like even if you get like a even if you do perfect responses and fill up those six pips, it'll still it'll the success uh, rate will remain the same uh, on that end. I think I think the only way you drive up those percentages is like. By the karma alignment of the of the Digimon, say like you feel like you're like on the moral path, uh, the moral are, it represents vaccine Digimon, so vaccine type Digimon will have higher percentage rates to the to the Griffin Digimon. Yeah, um, and, but it's it, it's very abusable, right? Because if you, if you if you want a Digimon, like and like and when they when you fail that uh, RNG's success rate check, they'll just flee. But all you have to do is like, okay, well, I really wanted this Digimon, so all you have to do is like press start during mid battle. I'd say retry battle, and it'll like respawn that Digimon from the start, and then you can just like talk to them again as soon as like you get your turn, and like try again, and then if oh no, they ran away again. We go retry, and then just d- d- keep on answering them the same way so they're satisfied, and then do the RNG check, and then they either join you or you don't. And if you don't, if they don't, then just go retry the battle and do it again. So it's a very tedious way. To just like I, I just I just feel like hey uh, like what you were saying if you get if you get more pips that should raise your success rate uh, for that instead of always remaining static. Uh, yeah, because at
0: least that way, if you had to restart the, it's almost like demon negotiation. If you have to restart the negotiation, you can kind of say like, all right, that wasn't the right answer. What is the right answer? Oh, this is the right answer. There, I'll have a better chance of getting it now. So you can feel like there's some sort of progression towards getting the Digimon you want. Um. Yeah. And, and then yeah, uh, yeah,
1: it's it's like it's not. Great in that regard and then uh, of course as you uh, go through the game like you'll start realizing it's like oh like negotiating with rookie Digimon like feels almost pointless like early on as well because yeah, yes you can just use consume mats that you like find uh, find later on in the game to like evolve them but you can also just like recruit their like evolutions later on so you don't have to like spend those mats like you know, needlessly on them because you can just like
0: recruit their higher forms later on uh, as well, are uh, they any so, weaker to, if you recruit like a champion form without training it up from a rookie? no because
1: they'll 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 just they'll just start at like their their base level and you can just like grind their levels. there's no huh there there's no um you know there's no benefit uh of like recruiting like uh, weaker digimon and uh, training them up. There's like no like affinity bonuses or anything like that to add on to their stats. It's just like whatever the levels dictate.
0: So in so, in some ways I kind of like that because that way you don't feel like penalized for like oh I never I never upgraded my Birdramon from a Biomon therefore if I capture a Birdramon, it's going to be weak but so I I do like that it allows you just to capture a new cha- can you eventually cha- uh, capture like ultimates or higher than champions
1: yeah you you can you can you can uh, negotiate with ultimates and megas and it'll be it's it's treated the same way there's no it's it's not like easier or tougher it's just you can just do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, the, the strategy RPGs—they're like they're the the way you control them is kind of clunky because there's like three zoom levels, and even the farther zoom level still feels too close. The camera snaps at corners, so like there's no like free camera like rotation. It's always snaps to a corner uh, on it, so like some camera angles still look like shit, no matter what, <laughs> which corner you snap to. Um, and like when you deploy Digimon, especially when you're like you' retrying uh for a stage to like negotiate, there's like no like um easy way to kind of just deploy everything at once there's like no button to say, hey, like deploy like my lowest level digimon or deploy my highest level Digimon. It's always like you know, you can usually deploy up to six digimon in battle, um and it's always, hey go click this digimon, go click the space, go click this other digimon. It's like always, always one by one. It's like it feels like it's too many button presses to like
0: for like. how, that be how many do solvable. you deploy per battle?
1: Like up to up to six usually. Some so okay. the number may vary for some main story stuff, but it's usually up to six. Um, other than that, it's like you know, it's the this, this battles are very very standard. It's like if you if you attack them from the side or the rear, there's additional damage. Um, you know, vaccine that type Digimon are, are strong against. Um, wrathful which are, which are against harmony or something like that you know there's virus and through.
0: data if i remember right at least those were yeah, the English names at one point yeah yeah
1: yeah because because like the like the the karma is like associated with the with the types and it's like this just only like found out like a quick tool tip in the game like moral is vaccine harmony is data and wrathful is virus and That's it's like a quick tool tip It's like okay, great. And it's like that that also has typos,
0: and that's just
1: that's and you know getting into the <laughs> yeah, like it how you say, game... By
0: the way, it also has typos.
1: <laughs> yeah, this game, like this game's localization, the English script is like sort of a mess. Like, it there, there's you know, the typos are like whatever, right? Like if they happen. They they happen maybe a bit too frequently in this game. But there's also just like there's like stiff dialogue uh, abound, like when characters are talking to each other, and also. um like pronouns like uh, like the big problem this game is like like did like the digimon pro the pronouns for digimon are like just a random dice roll on whether they're gonna say he or she to refer to a digimon it's sometimes not even consistent like in the same like exchange of like they'll refer to a digimon as a she and a he in like the same like conversation
0: (laughs) (laughs) when when you were saying that it was just like a dice roll i'm just like well that kind of makes sense because you find a wild Beomon, is it a boy or a girl but in the same conversation I'm like is that what he means oh that's what he means no, I, I, oh, no. I remember specifically you were looking at Labramon or you're talking with Labramon mm. and like literally like two sentences apart they called it uh, like you know she's your Digimon or he's doing very well and like wait is it male or female <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> so, and, and like yeah it, it makes it confusing and then like you know like the, it's the point that it makes it confusing like in the middle of conversation and that's not great it, it's also it also happens to characters every so often as well like in the middle of like conversation with the professor you know, which is very much, you know, he's a dude, you know, like, they'll, they'll just switch between she and he, like, you know, in the middle of a conversation with the professor. It's like, okay. So that's kind of a shame, you know, like, uh, I feel like that's more of a process, like, a problem more so than,
0: like, it's not, probably not
1: the localizer's fault.
0: Yeah, yeah it, it's very, very likely that they just didn't have context when they are doing these lines. They didn't yeah. know who they were talking to. Yeah, And, you know, it's not just one localizer like mistranslating, yeah. you know, a pronoun. It's just the they don't have the context always. Yeah, often, well, oftentimes game, these lines they're translating are like deep into like Excel sheets, and they just they all they know is you know very little. Yeah,
1: so. and uh, and also like I thing that Rick really really did not like that really turned me off like as I played more of this game is like the, like the most of the characters just like just to be blunt just like freaking suck. Like yeah, I was, was not, I was actually like,
0: going to ask. I think you're transitioning to this now, but you've talked at length about how the gameplay is kind of. You're describing it in a way that seems to seem like serviceable, fine, kind of expected, nothing unique. And I was going to ask, like, how do the uh, you mentioned the different moralities in the dialogue system? And obviously, this game is primarily visual novel, so it stinks to hear that they have so many issues with the localization and with the just how the dialogue flows. How do you feel just about the story and characters that you're interacting with?
1: Like the main story is okay. I actually kind of like what they do with the ending. And then I heard a lot about how the uh, other endings handle it, and it's like there there are certain bits about the like the very end. That I do like, but it's because more of like an overall Digimon lore perspective. Like, uh, the I, I guess I won't spoil that. I'll let people figure that out. But the the characters themselves are just like a lot of them are unlikable or very consistent or, or inconsistent or just very dull. Like, like this game. I guess the best thing I can say about this game when it comes to characters, like it loves I guess mental breakdowns, kind of okay, well. But the characters are sort sort of insufferable. Like real examples, like for um an early example of like oh my god i can't stand this character already he's very much like ca- kind of in that uh mindset of like okay everything sucks everything sucks everything sucks no one's gonna c- come us we're doomed we're gonna go like you know we're never gonna like he's very very pessimistic very cynical about the whole thing and it's just like and people try to reach out to him he's just like just just not there
0: he just uh, shuts
2: like, you know,
1: down yeah pretty much and just like you know to the point that like a like a, a later a later like um villain like disguises himself as like a as a woman and like uh it's like oh man they look like my mom and just he just, just keeps like, calling them mommy and whatever. Uh what? he's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then an- another one, um, god bless Lopman, but Lopop's uh, partner Shuji uh really freaking sucks. He's like kind of like the, the oldest of the group, so he considers himself the leader, but he's also like a coward and also like abuses Lopman because he has such a strong, strong distrust of, like, the monsters, the monster partners, and he's like, how will I, you know, you expect me to trust you? Like, has only done, like, good trying to, like, you know, help Shuji, save Shuji's life, get him through, like, you know, these encounters, and, like, he just, he just treats Lopman like a piece of shit, always, and just, like, oh, this sucks, and then there's just other characters that seem, like, they're kind of boring, right, like, Minoru's, like, your typical, like, your wingman that, like, wants to be a hero, and, like, you know, this is what a hero would do, um al is like your other like uh main like side character where you know she's kind of like the, the kind of the shy girl of the group but like there are moments in which like she kind of takes charge a little bit versus like she gets fed up and tells people to shut up like in like and, like when I mean, they're having heated arguments and like at a, a later turning point like you know she kind of adopts a more like leaderly role but like but she in in the way there like She's kind of very boring and kind of like played very stereotypically in that in that um, kind of archetype. And also, like, these characters have, like, you know, kind of quote unquote moments of character development where once you get them to a certain character affinity, um, their Digimon will, like, evolve to, like, ultimate and mega. And, and, like, these are kind of, these kind of reminded of, like, these optional heart to heart adventures with Xenoblade where, like, when they reach those certain character affinities, like, their number is, like, a certain number uh, for them. Like on the during the exploration or free action phase, there's like a a new location called like the deep forest or the deep woods, and then you go into this area, and then you see like a, a brief like conversation or situation where they like get ambushed by a uh, by a hostile Digimon, and then like during the scene before battle, you just see them. Oh, I'm gonna like do this and this and this, and then the Digimon's like, oh, you're powering me up with your feelings, so like they <laughs> um they they go they go evolve. And then you know, right after that, after you get like the 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 and they do like their battle, one on one battle against the other hostile Digimon. It's like, all right, the you know, you're you're awesome now. You're doing well. Like you're this kind of newly reformed person. And then when you go back to the main story, when it's like, when it, since it's like an optional thing, they're still a piece of shit. They didn't really like learn anything like organically, um, because you know that was just a, a, an optional thing that you could have reached. You know. So
0: it is kind of interesting how that sort of mirrors the discussion that you had about the Xenoblade 3's lack of heart to hearts, where in the other games in that series... We talked about how these nice moments of character interaction were kind of sequestered off into these optional dialogues that couldn't be reflected in the main story. And since so like Digimon Survive has these things where the this, this main story really suffers for it, especially when these characters seem like they're de- – when you said initially that you just didn't like these characters, yeah, you're saying that some of them are just kind of boring or archetypal or bland, but some of them seem like they're genuinely written to be like you're not supposed to like this character because he's an asshole – and then he might have his comeuppance in, in like a side story, but that can't be reflected in the narrative. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's and, a huh. yeah. I definitely definitely of them are, like the written like you know purposely to be like that, but it's it's done in such a way that it's just like there's like there, there there's a way to like do that and then like kind of redeem this character later on, like if you if you learn more about them. But the, at, at at the way Digimon Survive does it, it's like they, these people are just like too far like God like out the other end that's like it's hard to like bring them back and make them likable again uh in my eyes it's just like one of those it's like uh it's just it's not doing like there are three characters i like by the end of this game one of them is only the main cast like saki is the only one i actually like out of the main characters because she actually grows into like an internet like she starts off as a very um selfish kind of character and the way that they write her, the way that the, the things that you learn about her, like makes sense of why she's like this. And the the way that like she she develops throughout the game feels it's like it's like it's almost like she she had like a different writer compared to like the rest of the cast. Um <laughs> compared to the other characters. Like she she actually becomes a really, really likable character. And I, I enjoy Sapi a lot. The other characters I like by the end are the Professor and Miyuki. Um, but like the they're they are characters that are like that you learn more about them like way later into the game and i i, I like how like um how what they're what why they're there essentially is um, the
0: point of view character much of a character akuma yeah, yeah like like the,
1: like the main character he's okay like he's your standard he's your standard digimon protagonist of like you know we'll get through this uh all together very like you know uh he, like he, he's your typical well, shonen protagonist almost right like he's not he's not really that interesting. But he gets the job done.
0: Inoffensive, you
1: know? yeah, yeah. Okay. So he he he's he's not weak or anything. He's just kind of like he he's he's a go getter and like you know he just kind of doing what it needs to be done to kind of get through the game. He's nice. He's not. There's nothing about him that makes me go like. There's nothing about him that offends me or anything. He's like he's like okay,
0: yeah, cool. He's there. He's he the he's there. space. Yeah. He, he he he
1: he's like you know he's like the typical like shulk character almost of like. He's like, yeah, like he get, he he's he's kind of likable because like you're playing him, and thankfully he's not an ass. So, uh, so he's all right. Um, but you know, if I were to like give this game like an overall score, you know, like it would be somewhere around like of the five or six range if I were to like review it out of ten. It's just, it's like there's too many cracks overall to really find anything like sort of super great about it it's like it's okay like the foundation's like is sort of interesting like i despite like me being kind of down on like a lot of aspects about this game i still think it's like the most interesting digimon game i played this decade because the cyber sleuth games are like your typical jrpgs and this one's like going for something very different than, than those like i i just appreciate that like okay you you've made this like the digimon premise into like a sort of like I don't know. Like people say, it's more mature, but it's like it's it it is kind of like more edgy, almost, and and like Digimon recontextualized into like almost like a death game uh, is a interesting angle. And and, you know, there there are definitely like times when you know characters do meet unfortunate fates from like your decisions and so forth. It's just I I would like them to take a crack at this with like a somewhat better development pipeline and like just kind of. There, You can. There, there is a bet, way, way, way better version of this game that is yet to be realized. I think. I think like the 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 format and the structure is there. I just think like they just need to like really think about fleshing out a lot of these systems, like making the narrative structure a bit more freeform and unexpected instead of sticking to this, you know, strict linear like narrative structure and like fleshing out like Pokemon ability, not Pokemon Digimon abilities. Uh, in battle, uh making it so they have like more like unique moves to the Digimon themselves instead of like, oh, here are your two standard moves and you can like equip them with other like things if you want.
0: Yeah, it Cause... sounds like this game just really suffered due to it. I mean a lot of games end up going through development struggles, but just coming out the other end, this is a game where it seems like based on your experience with it, you can kind of see where it suffered for for having that experience during development. Because I remember like an earlier episodes of this podcast, we would have like the yearly check-in, like by the way, Digimon survive was delayed a year. By the way, like here's a here's a note from the producer saying they're sorry. And it's like now it's finally out. and i don't I don't want to say it's come out with a whimper because actually the game is done pretty well on Steam. I think Adam was comparing or he had found someone comparing. The sales of Digimon Survive on Steam compared to like all of the Square Enix output this year. And it's the, the reviews <laughs> specifically. You know, people use review count to kind of estimate sales, right? Yeah, it's and like it's what is the, quite a lot considering it's been out like a week. So yeah, the rule of thumb is like there's a sale, uh, ten sales for every written review on Steam. Obviously that's with huge error bars. That's just a, a well, heuristic. Hmm? I've actually heard like fifty sales for every review. I thought it was fifty to one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. I just I just probably misremember yeah. misremembered the yeah. number. And,
1: and also like a, like think about like there's also the factor of like there is no like pre-release code for Digimon survive. So people are eager to like get the get the word out there to other people say like how is this game? And there's like more incentive to do that because there's no like big outlets that like you know were able to like give their feedback on the game beforehand. So like you know, it's very valuable at this critical point in the in the game's lifespan of like word of mouth essentially, like mm-hmm. um getting get, like you know, making sure to like to uh, communicate to the developers and the publishers that hey, there is interest in this type of game in the future, and I think people are, um, for better or worse, you know, p- people have different different opinions on this game, uh, of course, of like, l- l- because I think people, I think I think people genuinely want this game to do well despite its problems, and I I agree with that sentiment. You know, I think there is something more there, and I I hope this is like a one and done thing. This despite you know my issues with it, there is. People, games can get better. I believe me. Games, there, there's there, there's the capability for a game to get better with future installments.
0: No, but thanks for sharing about your experience uh, more at length with Digimon Survive. I know we touched on it initially last week. Uh, we will have some other staff contributors covering the site in a review fashion, uh, likely in the coming month. I'm not sure the complete details on that, but we'll keep you up to date if we put anything up on the site. And then, of course, we'll revisit discussing Digimon Survive and how we feel it sits amongst all the other games that released this year with our end-of-year yeah, discussions.
1: I, I, do, I do want to mention, because this is, this is on our podcast doc, and I guess I will mention it really fast, and I feel really bad for t- saying this after the, the words we exchanged with Digimon. Like, like this is gonna sound like a weird, like a weird transition, but like I picked up another strategy RPG this week as well. Um, it is that Full Metal Alchemist mobile game that really launched in Japan, and that's also a strategy RPG. Um, it's only in Japanese. There, there's no planned global global release yet or anything. It's published by Square Enix. Um, I don't know who's exactly developing it, but um, it that is like a game that has like more interesting strategy RPG systems than Digimon Survive. And like I feel bad saying that, but like it's true. Like when I'm like playing that game, I'm like I'm making more interesting decisions in the middle of combat than I ever did with Digimon Survive. With Digimon Survive, I usually just like turn on auto battle for free battles and like let it play the game in its own ball. Mm-hmm. Like auto battle and something like full Metal outfits is like it would be to your demise almost because of the way the game the, the game struck, uh, structures its
0: battle system.
1: Um, to to kind of. Go back a little bit. Uh, to, you know, First of all, just, just, to, know.
0: just to cover it, what's the name of this Full Metal Alchemist mobile game? Other than just, I saw you playing it, but I was just like, oh, is that new Full Metal it, Alchemist? Full Metal it's Alchemist literally mobile called game.
1: Full Metal Alchemist mobile.
0: That's oh, the the really? game. Oh, okay. Yep. That's very very straightforward.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, for people who don't know, you know Full Metal Alchemist, uh, Alchemist was a very popular manga uh, back in the day. It had two anime adaptations. Uh, one was like had like an original anime, original um sort of flair to it that people didn't really uh enjoy and then there was another remake called the formal alchemist brotherhood that stuck with the manga storyline and that's very 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 highly regarded uh in the anime community um this this is an interesting one because it it adapts like the manga story uh but it's like there's like a lot of like production value behind it like there's there's, like a lot of new anime scenes that they reanimated for this game but they're not just like taking like uh like you know anime scenes are like the the, the old anime that are from brotherhood like they they reanimated a lot of like things yeah well, we were watching
0: of- you play it in uh in chat, and uh a lot of us who had seen the anime you know a decade plus at this point were like is this is this new animation? I think so no is this bar- no this is new like it's actually kind yeah. of impressive how much like new animation they uh pecked into this thing yeah
1: so so like the the main story um you know it it kind of follows like the the first like initial episodes of the anime were like it like it kind of skips kind of into the future a little bit just a tiny bit with Rose and Cornelio like that first episode and then after that it'll go into like the proper like storyline of the uh, of the manga where like your your second uh, chapter um, is like the the mining the early mining town arc and then like the first side story you. Unlock is like the the battle on the train that introduces Roy, and then back to the main story. You go to the Shiloh Tucker and Nina whole story arc uh, from there, and it's it, like you know it's it's not like every aspect of this game makes you wish it was a console game because like it's like it's so primed to do that, and like the way that the stages are presented in the main story is like that newspaper Bakir Chronicles one style uh, thing where like they they have pictures of like the the incoming stage like uh, on a newspaper page, and that that's always fun. And then so you have like these uh fully 3D uh, events, like you know, kind of setting up the premise uh, of the whole thing, and then you usually face off against uh, other characters uh, in battle. Like you know, you you kind of have to like because there's like a mobile game, you have to kind of take it's not quote unquote following the canon in the sense of like what characters you're deploying, because of course. This has a gotcha element, and you gotcha for characters. They come in R and SR and SSR rarities. So like, you know, like for when I was like in the Mining Town arc, I already drew like a SSR Armstrong and SSR Lust. And of course, in the storyline, you know, those two never team up, you know? Right. (laughs) And then we have with Ed and Al for that part. So, yeah. But, you know, the strategy RPG aspect of it is more interesting than Digimon because like, characters actually have, like, kits and roles where, like, they have their standard attack, of course. Some of them have standard attacks that, are like, are from ranged or from uh, melee. And uh, they have, like, two other, like, uh, abilities and then, like, a super attack. But the way that, like, they kind of mesh into each other is interesting because, like, uh, characters like Al- Alphonse and Armstrong are, like, tank characters. So they actually have, like, a stance skill where... If you uh, deploy it at all adjacent uh, units by like two spaces, if a a character attacks like any unit uh, by them by two spaces, they'll actually get in front of them and like take a tank stance. And if they're attacking by melee, they can do a counterattack. But if it's ranged, they won't. So you have to start getting, uh, putting into consideration, okay, like these characters are actually pretty squishy and some of these enemies deal a lot of damage. And yeah, of course, you have like that rock, paper, scissors scissors system like, you know, uh, red type units will be strong against green type units, which are. Strong against blue type units, which are strong against red type units, etc. And then the the light and dark, uh, type units. You know they're weak against each other. Um, so and so that's another consideration you have to make. But it's just it's just it's just more interesting in the way that the enemy designs and the and the stages are laid out. Uh, because you're because the the enemy threat is like sort of high. If you like try to bum rush it, like your characters are just gonna get off uh, easily. So I just I just thought that was a really interesting comparison because I I hopped into Formula Alchemist Mobile right after Digimon Survive. Like in Digimon Survive, I'm like doing doing a New Game Plus playthrough, but um, that has been like very dull because uh, because at New Game Plus you're just skipping all the text into like into battles, but like your but all your Digimon levels and all your inventory and your whole Digimon roster are just straight you know, copied from your pre- previous playthrough, and like the enemies don't scale up to their, to your level. And in New Game Plus, so you're just like 50, 60 levels above, you know, these, these starting stages. So it's like, oh, okay, it's just going to play itself. And you're just kind of going through the motions. That's not really an engaging uh, New Game Plus playthrough there. Meanwhile, from, from Mobile, it just feels rewarding to, like, you know, think about stages tactically because there's, like, sub-objectives you can do. Like, say there's, like, for a stage there might be the civilians, and, like, one of the sub-objectives might be, like, okay, keep three of these... Civilians alive, but the like the civilian AI is like super bad, so you kind of have to like kind of caress them and corral them into like a way that like the, that'll make them survive and work with you. And it's just you know it's it's kind of a weird shame. Uh, it kind of makes you want to like rewatch the the Brotherhood anime as I play through it. It's been it's been a lot of fun, uh, you know. But it's your typical early days for like gacha game. I don't know how I'm gonna how long I'm gonna stick with it because. As much as much fun as the gameplay is in, in Fullmetal Alchemist, you know the whole structure around it is very mobile gotcha game. There's your battle pass where there's like a free tier, and then an the additional paid tier if you want to do that. Yeah, there's your typical. Um, you know when you're u- u- upping like the stars on
0: yeah, your characters. To, there was the to, there was the usual carrots where it was like do these quests and you'll get I forget the exact details but do this do the battle pass and you'll get the SSR version of I think Winry if you do these quests you'll get Mustang uh, if you spend money you'll get uh, eventually you'll get NB for free uh, well for free <laughs> I guess <laughs> uh, so the, there's different ways that they uh, incentivize you to interact with the game in the expected yeah. ways <laughs> in order to reward you.
1: There's like a really dumb one where like normally in battle you can you uh, activate a function sort of like um, Fire Emblem Three Houses where you can like go back several turns um, to like redo a move. So like normally mm. if you're not paying money, you can you can do this once in battle and like you can go back to like a, a certain amount of moves, like five or six moves uh, like before, maybe a little bit more. But if you if you paid like one dollar or something, you can like have access. The, to more of that. You know, you can do it more than once in battle. Uh, That's uh-huh,
3: kind of scummy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I hey. like those resurrection potions that you use, but can you choose your way for, like, a hard level fight, or is this kind of like...
1: Um, there, the, the, I mean, the, there is, like, different strategies, right? Like, there'll be hard fights, and, like, like and you can, you can play around it. So right now, like, I have uh, Armstrong and uh, Alphonse as, like, a double tank. Uh, uh team and have winry as like a healer and then usually I have either like Kimberly, Envy and or Lust as like my DPS uh character. Sometimes I'll have Ed out there as well, depending on like the uh char- like enemy uh type that I'm going up against. So but you know the it, it's completely uh, there's ways you can get by through uh tougher fights like if you if you play around with like the character skills and like and what sort of like setup you have you have like a, uh, like a double take Setup that I have, that like it's it's fairly safe because you know they they're taking hits, they can take a lot of hits, and Rinry has like really really powerful heals, especially when you like level her up and level up her skills and so forth. But it's you know mileage may vary. There's just like early game progression stuff. I don't know what end game looks like. I don't know if I'm gonna get to end game. I'm just it's just one of those like weird moments of like, well, I'm I kind of like not after Xenoblade Three. I'm not I'm not really working on Digimon Survive like uh, for site activities. So like I, I kind of have like a, a spare moment to breathe and like check out other games that like I typically wouldn't if I were busy. Um and that stuff. But I, I think if if this got a global release, like I, I would probably play it a lot more. Um because I, I do think like the, the, the game itself is interesting, despite it having like the really scummy gotcha things um you know around the edges, which is it never feels good, <laughs> to be honest. But that's that's how the, these games are designed and structured, and that, that's what that's, my, that's what makes money. It's,
0: it, like it's that, been fun like, to watch, but I yeah I would never play it myself.
1: Yeah, mobile game developers like you know the, the, this it's down to a science, right? This is uh, they've done many many studies throughout the years. Of like here's what works and what doesn't. So this is the structure of games now.
3: And yet they still shut down somehow.
1: I mean, that, you know, it has to be it has to be interesting too. Like you know. For informal games, case they, they they have a big IP behind it, so I think it'll probably last. But if it's like something like a, a totally unknown IP, it's gonna be a lot harder. And it's not even just mobile gacha games, right? Like this structure exists in a lot of free to play games, like Multiverses, for example, has like that uh, free and paid battle pass type of deal, and like and you have like a whole perk system as you progress character levels uh, through that. You can't pay for that, but you do have to grind it, and you have dailies to complete uh as well to get battle pass stuff and et cetera, et cetera. It's not just multiverses, but you know many other games, not just mobile games, have that structure in place,
0: yeah, like mMOs and uh mm-hmm. yeah what what is the yeah. type of game that like uh overwatch is called hero shooter uh,
3: box shooter
0: shooters,
1: hero shooters i guess. <laughs> But you know, like the like you know, League of Legends, like MOBA style, MOBA.
0: Yeah, MOBAs, uh, MMOs even have like dailies. Yeah. So.
1: So yeah, that's just what I've been up to. Uh,
3: yep. I was gonna say. I mean, Grand Blue has this big summer stream this just yesterday, but no news on Relink. It's more about well, the mobile game. Sorry, guys.
1: <laughs> you you did you did like a uh, child. Like, you, you were kind of getting into like when I was uh, streaming the Full Metal Alchemist game and like oh we should mention also this game that game has a really funny gotcha animation that makes us like really question like our generation because the gotcha animation is ed goes up to a phone booth at a train station and it has like a full-on like circular dial phone in a booth that you have to put in numbers at like in a a circle motion and then you'll get like a ring uh from it and then you and then you pick it pick up the phone and then a train comes in with your gotcha characters that you pulled (laughs)
0: It's a boomer mobile game. Only boomers yeah. can play this gotcha game. So we,
1: we, just, we just like we just like thought
0: about it. it's like, well, how many like do, do, do modern teenagers know what a rotary phone is?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the best part is you could choose a phone number. So I I told Josh to call
1: 911. <laughs> he got nothing.
0: Yep. Feels <laughs> bad. I wonder if that like seeds the RNG in any way. I have, have it, no it idea if the
1: phone, I I have no idea of the if the if the numbers make a difference because I think he'd still pick up the phone without putting in any numbers. I think it's just there for like flavor, but who knows? Maybe <laughs> someone will data mine something. And it's like, oh, you should have been using these numbers for higher rates. That'd be really fucked up. I think that's like illegal if you do that.
3: <laughs> I mean, there are some scummy tactics for all kinds of gotcha games. Wasn't no. there one in the Dragon Ball Dokkan battle where you can never get certain characters on your uh, account? And then oh. people found that from data mining and they said it was a bug.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely like weird, like, in the past, mobile game shit, where like when you, as you create an account, like the certain accounts will be like seeded to like never ever get a character, and like you just won't know that because that info will never surface. So there, there's definitely been scandals like that.
2: Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad I don't play mobile games. Yeah, Good. Well, yeah, yeah don't
0: do. It. Don't be stupid like us.
2: Yeah. Well.
0: Yeah, we we just watch mobile games get played in chat and then have a laugh <laughs> yeah.
3: about it. I mean, this could be our mobile. Game talk. I mean even Dragalia Lost had its ending, so you could sit back and watch the ending on YouTube. You don't have to install all that nine gigs to watch it.
0: Yeah. Did you, is yeah. that is that how you spent your week? You watched the Dragalia Lost ending?
3: Well, better than spending five hours and playing to catch up.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, at least it's getting like, you know, a proper send off, which is a, a thing most mobile games only. You know, yeah,
3: I, I feel like a lot of games it's just like you're just suddenly over. It's like reading a manga that just got just randomly ends, and you're like, oh, "We'll see you next time." Never.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll, anyway, we'll revisit this. The,
1: we'll, yeah, we'll revisit this. Like a
0: year me. or two ago, when we watched the uh, Kingdom Hearts mobile game
2: summary, I forgot we <laughs> On, did that. It was ever like isn't, 10 the second, hours. isn't the second half of Dark Road supposed no, to be it's not, not done yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought
0: it was supposed to be done by now, but it's not. They
2: keep I delaying it, and pushing it back, and it's like, okay.
1: At this point they're probably gonna like Kingdom Hearts 4's lots like aha, there we go. Well you have to watch this to understand Kingdom Hearts 4. Hey man, you, you kinda do for some aspects of the Kingdom Hearts
0: 4 thing, right? So yeah, uh, hey, they have that Strelitza girl who is uh-huh. on the mobile game, so, yep. so yeah.
3: <laughs> like I said, we don't have to play everything. I mean, Josh even watched the entire YouTube of the Kingdom Hearts mobile game, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, especially with Adam and Brian and whatever we did We that didn't day. watch the whole
0: thing. We watched like half of it. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if George ever ended up playing Dark Road. I miss yes, that man. Mm, mm,
3: will never know. It's a mm. like mystery of Atlantis. Yeah, All we'll right, talk so, about uh, another
0: mobile game in a little bit. Let's uh, give other games the spotlight. All right. So if you were uh, if you were eyes glazed out during the discussion of Full Metal Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemist Mobile. Uh, there's another upcoming game that is kind of like the next one on our major site radar uh, for a major August release, and that is, of course, Soul Hackers 2. Uh, we, did, sorry, we didn't sorry, we did do anything on the site for an official preview coverage for that game. However, Adam has had a chance to start playing it, and so we figured we'd take the time on this uh, podcast here to, to allow Adam to kind of give his initial thoughts on Soul Hackers 2. He's been able to play the starting part of it and just say, like, what sort of game is this? Uh, you know, is it similar to other Atlas games or not? If you play Persona or Shin Kami Tensei 5, is it more of the same? Is it very different? Uh, so, Adam, just Soul Hackers 2, what is it? How do you feel about it? You, as a veteran of many Atlas games, are well qualified to speak to it. So, just kind of take it away. Okay. So, I guess how I'll start this is that if you've played the original Soul Hackers, or I should say the 3DS version, which is a remake of the original on Sega Saturn, uh, you know that Soul Hackers is a dungeon crawler. Like, literally a first-person, you know, step-by-step, step, maze, labyrinthian dungeon crawler. Blobber. Uh, sorry? A blobber. Oh, yeah, a blobber. I think sometimes people have specific, like,
2: uh, criteria for where they, blobber, Yeah, like, <laughs> it
0: has to be a blobber. It has to be, like, a Western-style or wizardry-style because it's not wizardry-style uh, or whatever. But anyways, um, I, so the, the original Soul Hackers did have, like, Character cast so unlike a lot of dungeon crawlers where you have where you are almost primarily like creating your own party Obviously you have your party of demons But the original soul hackers had a few main characters a couple of them played roles in your party you had a, you had a main character like the player controlled character who was like who didn't speak kind of a silent protagonist uh, Nemissa is kind of like the, the the biggest speaking character in the game. Obviously uh, I start with that because soul hackers 2 um, from it's, they've had a lot of trailers, a lot of footage of the game and whatnot they've shown pre-release, but it still very much is a dungeon crawler. Uh, there is a lot of dungeon crawling and a lot of battling, and that is what you're going to be doing most of the time. Uh, it's not first-person, obviously. You have a third-person dungeon crawler, but pretty early on, you get introduced to the main characters of the game, which if you've been watching any of the trailers, you know who they are already. It's The battle characters are Ringo, Arrow, Milady, and Sizo, and then there's also Fig, who's sort of like your support, kind of in the background, uh, Oracle type of character or whatnot. And um, you get introduced to the cast pretty quickly, like within the first hour, maybe 90 minutes. So unlike, say, a Persona game or something, where you get slowly introduced to the cast over time, you're you're you can, you know you get the whole cast pretty much at the onset, and then you're pretty much just thrown into a dungeon. Like, hey, we're gonna go through this dungeon, and you're gonna fight some enemies and get a little bit. Uh, a backstory on the characters and whatnot, and the, the, there's a lot of dungeon crawling. We're running around little uh, mazes, fighting enemies uh, with demons. So I, it, the, the initial flow to the game did feel just a little bit awkward to me. Uh, now that I've kind of gotten used to it, uh, you know, I think I'm gelling with it a little bit more, but it very much is got that sort of dungeon crawler DNA still in there, which, you know, that's how the SMT series started in the first place. Now um probably the most interesting things to point out first of all I'm under like a preview embargo so I can't speak much about beyond like the very early opening parts of the game anyway but the battle system is not press turn like SMT games and it's not uh once more like persona games it's instead more of a simplified system where you have each character gets one turn per round. There's no losing turns or gaining turns uh, for you know hitting weaknesses. That's a key component of almost any SMT or Mega Ten uh, battle system. Is you hit a weakness and you gain extra turns, or if you hit a if you hit like a resistance or whatnot, if you miss, you lose turns. That's not in here at all. So it's very it's more simplified in that sense. the the kind of the unique gimmick that Soul Hackers has is if you hit weaknesses you you start building something called a stack and they've explained this in the pre-release footage also but basically at the end of every round like once every character has had their turn in a round uh you perform like a special kind of like an all-out attack it's called a sabbath or sabbath however you pronounce it and they you do kind of like a hit all attack on all the enemies and then you do it again and that's basically every round every every battle it Feels most similar to the demon co-op system in Strange Journey if you played that, where um, you'd have like extra demons kind of joining in and attacks if you hit weaknesses, um, but otherwise it's it's more simplified. And I don't know if I like it. I kind of miss the more strategic elements of like gaining turns and whatnot. However, one thing. That this game does, that a lot of games don't, like Persona games, is that you can change the demon equipped to each character at any time in battle. So unlike, you know, any persona game where you have your main character who can switch demons and then everyone else is set, in this game, or I should say modern persona games, in this game you can anyone can equip any demon. So that actually makes it feel a little bit more like Persona 2. That's somehow the second time Persona 2's got mentioned in this podcast. And um there's some strategic elements there. Like I've had i one of the early boss fights in the game, I was cycling around some of the demons I had to get certain buffs up or to get certain abilities. Because, you know, certain demons will have will come with certain abilities. And um I think that's got some potential going forward in terms of this sort of flexibility in uh in your in your demons, in your party cast. Obviously, since you can't like switch out characters, this is sort of like the 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 alternative is that you're switching out the demons that they have equipped it. Now, now, now can can multiple characters equip the same demon or no? Uh, no, I don't think you can. You know, you can't. You can't have more than one demon of the same type in your kind of demon pool. So no. But um, so I'm not very far into the game. I'm a little bit past beyond where I'm allowed to talk about in the uh, in the preview uh, embargo sense. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting to point out. Josh and I were thinking about this. I think just yesterday. Is that I think this is one of the few Mega Ten games where you don't have a silent protagonist, because almost every other Mega Ten game, like a Persona game, SMT, the original Soul Hackers, Devil Survivor, D- uh, Digital Devil Saga, any Raidu Kozanoha game, they're all silent. The main protagonist, Ringo, is not. Um, so that's kind of well, like an interesting. Some people are pedantic and they say like the difference between a silent and a voiceless protagonist, like the Persona protagonist speaks because you, you make choices. Of choices yeah yeah but, but i, like, I this... know what you mean like they don't have a va right. or the, yeah, if they yeah. do have a va it's just for battle cries and things like that mm-hmm. yeah and this one that you sound
1: like an active participant uh this time which is very very rare in uh, megaton uh, how
0: do you feel games. about the cast uh so far it does feel a little bit shallow but i'm also not very far yet so it's kind of unfair for me, for me to say that like, they all have a, they all feel like they have an archetype, but, you know, archetypes are things that exist, and we'll all have to see if the characters kind of break out or become more interesting later on as things develop. The game does have, it does have sort of like a social link type system, but it is also somewhat simplified. So, basically, each character has a soul level, and that's basically a social link. It's, you know, just a different name. And, uh... I should say specifically, Arrow, Milady, and Saizo have soul levels with Ringo. Um, and as you proceed through the game, like in a story scene, you might get a choice. Um, let me pull up my notes here. Whereas, Where you'll make a choice, and depending on the choice you get, you will uh, um, raise your soul level with one of the characters. Like, for example, here's just one of the choices where uh, you meet... Um, you meet Mimi, who is fig's uh, like owl, a uh, little drone thing that kind of explores the dungeons with you, and one of the things you say is, does it have any weapons and that that makes Melody uh, happy for some reason, but the thing is is that uh the game will actually tell you whose affinity it will increase, so it's, you're not blind to it It'll literally say if you pick this option, Milady's soul level will increase, or if you pick this option, arrows will increase so I've been going through the game pretty much increasing people's soul levels kind of evenly, not letting one get too above too far above the rest. Um, and then also throughout the game you can do these hangout events, which basically these are kind of they kind of feel a little bit cookie-cutter so far, where you kind of you go you go to the bar in the game and you say, like, let's have a drink with Arrow. And this is like a scripted event, and you'll they'll have like a little bit of a card to heart sort of. Um, or maybe they'll be, or maybe they'll just talk about like a previous quest you did or a previous story event that you just went through, and then that person's soul rank will, incru- in, in it will improve. These these hangout events come at set times throughout the game, so they're not randomized. They're, they're, you, there's no RNG. You don't make any choices, or if you do make a choice, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just kind of for flavor. You just like, oh, you now did this quest. Uh, now you can do this hangout event where you'll where you'll raise Arrow's soul level a little bit. Um, so unlike a social link, you're not like choosing who you hang out with, like to waste to spend time. There's no like time system or anything like that. There are no choices to be made, like in the hanging out of it. kind of reminds me of the bonding events in Scarlet Nexus. Uh, kinda, yeah. Um, where you just do these events and they'll raise their soul level, but there's there's very minimal choice. It's just those choices throughout the story that kind of you, you can decide who you raised. Um, I don't know if, like, by the end of the game, if it's, like... Like, for example, let's just say I got Mility up to soul, soul Level 100, which I assume is the max. Um, but I need more for Arrow because I didn't choose enough for him throughout the game. Like, how do I get that up even more? Like, is there, like, free Soul Level points hanging out somewhere? I don't know. Um, I'm not that far yet. But it seems like it's it's taken some mechanics in previous games and simplified them, both in combat and these social links. And um, I will say... The last thing I'll say so far is that so far the dungeons are kind of boring to me, especially, which is not, which is not like great if it's going to be kind of a dungeon yeah, dun- crawler. Uh, a dungeon game. crawler has boring dungeons. It's not, yeah, it's they're They're mostly awesome. like linear paths with, with branching paths that kind of branch off to like dead ends. So it's, it's, it's pretty much almost like a battle corridor where you just like go through the, go through the path, fight enemies, you know, and you're going to do a lot of fighting, um,
3: so my and then is, explore uh, the dead ends. I was gonna say, so, is this worse than exploring mementos in Persona Five, or <laughs> you rather have this?
0: Oh well, Persona Five actually had like genuine dungeon design, though. Yeah, like, in, I'm in just the saying, actual like,
3: comparing that side content mementos the, dungeon, dungeon crawling too. Yeah, there's no
0: randomized dungeons, so it's not like that. They're Sorry. actually like designed, mm-hmm. um, but so far they're just like go down the path. Oh, here's a dead end. Let me explore the dead end first. Maybe get an item and then come back. To the main path so it's just kind of like eh. right, sorry, i wish I had, it was a little bit more interesting uh, what
1: uh, sorry i had to step out for a little bit but did you like talk about the like, how demon negotiation i been?
0: i did not and this okay. is actually well, something so far i'm not feeling it so how do you recruit demons in any smt game you, you simply usually, talk to
1: them <laughs> you usually
0: you meet them in a battle and you talk to them And you do a little conversation. You give them items. Sometimes they ask for, like, HP or MP, and then they join you. Or maybe they run away. (laughs) Uh, In this game, that's not how you recruit demons. And there's no, like, Persona, like, what? In some of the Persona games, you have, like, cards that show up at the end or or whatnot that you pick to get a demon or Persona. But um, in this game, there's a system called Demon Recon. And it's, once again, it's kind of... it sounds more complicated than it actually is. Whenever you enter a dungeon, any dungeon, any floor, anywhere, Ringo will set out your demons in your pool to random spots on the on that dungeon map. And then when you find them, they can either give you an item, they can give you HP or MP, or they can say, hey, here's a demon that wants to join you. And so that's how you get demons to join, is you are going around the dungeons, you're looking at these places where one of your demon recon demons can show up there's like certain spots that can show up and then hope they have hope they're there with a demon to join you because you don't want if you're not looking for an item or an hp or mp you're looking for one that has a demon to join you that can sometimes take a while uh and then hopefully it's the demon you want <laughs> and then if it is the demon you want to recruit usually it's found from that dungeon you give them one item and then they they will automatically join you um, so, the reason why I'm not really fond of this is because, how do I put this, the number of, of opportunities to recruit a demon is like greatly diminished compared to what it typically is. Like, Let me just put it this way, let's just say you're running around a dungeon floor looking for one of your demon recon demons with a, with a demon to join you. You might be running around for 15 minutes and find like 3. In that same time, you might run into like 40 battles with plenty of demons that you. if it was worked the the original way, you could have talked to them and recruited them. But no, that doesn't doesn't work like that anymore. You have to specifically find the demon recon demons with one who wants to join you and hope it's the right one. So it's RNG to find the demon and hope it's not an item. And then RNG for it to be the demon you want. Right. And the main thing is just like the number of opportunities, like literally like the number of dice rolls or whatever is way lower like here's just to be more even more specific i'm in a dungeon that has a shisha enemy it's like a chinese little dog dragon thing right and Mm -hmm. like in the same time that i'm looking around the demon recon points trying to find a demon with that demon to to join me i might have run into like a hundred shishas like why why can't i just talk to them (laughs) And yeah
1: it's, it's me. one of those weird things like they're, they're really trying to experiment with like the, the the formula like it's yeah it's one of those things that's like it's if it's not broke don't fix it like i like i feel like there's there's ways that they're trying to find a way to like reinvent like the mega Ten formula in this game which is you know somewhat admirable but they're fine but their solutions and alternatives are not are less intuitive like i'm i'm usually all for that but only if it's like if it makes sense that it's more intuitive and and in this sense, it's like it doesn't really make it doesn't really make sense what they were going for here. Like if they were just, like, just trying to de-emphasize like having demons in the first place, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it, like when you do find the demon, you're trying to, to trying to get the like there is no real demon negotiation, and maybe that's what they're trying to avoid. Maybe they're like some people just don't like demon negotiation, which it's true. Some people just don't like it. Yeah,
1: but, but it's, it's like, it feels like it's been like, it's like, it's been like super streamlined, borderline dumbed down on like how Persona 5 and SMT 5 have done it, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like, like recruiting demons through negotiation They are like, it's like really, really painless compared mm-hmm. to older titles. Like, I like it, this feels more like of a pain than like than just like going the standard way, like they might they might as well at this point just like just hand you the demon like with no <laughs> sort of like justification behind it if they're if they're really so adamant to like respond to those um sentiments of like anti demon negotiation because well like I said like it's okay for like if you want to get rid of that but like at least introduce a system that makes even more like more sense you know more intuitive like
0: well and to be clear I'm not like I'm I'm more put off i don't know if that's the right way to put it i'm more put off just by getting a demon like the opportunity to recruit one is just way lower like I, I know like once you get the once you actually enter negotiation it's really easy to get them to join you but that's the problem is finding that negotiation with the demon you want to have so it's just kind of i don't know if i'm feeling it Do you um, uh
1: does this escape have the demon compendium
0: yes it does okay, so it's so it, it, it i have I have actually It's been gotten to the point where like, oh, here's a Mikami demon that I want to recruit. Um, if I want to go out of my way to try to recruit a Mikami, I could either explore the dungeon floor, find a demon recon point, find one that has a demon who wants to join me and then hope it's a Mikami, or I can just go to the demon compendium or the demon fusion person and try to find it myself or fuse it myself, which is honestly usually way easier. Um, it, may, it may be more expensive if you have to pull one out of the dungeon or, or out of the compendium or whatnot so that's yeah. like the one thing about the game that i'm kind of most mixed on is i don't like the demon recruiting um one thing i might try doing when i when i jump back into the game later today is bumping the difficulty up because like i'm thinking to myself i'm playing on normal mode you know i always start with normal mode just to see how it's playing but like well if the dungeons are going to be kind of boring and the demon uh stuff in the game Battle system components are a little bit more simplified. Maybe if I just turn the difficulty up, it'll become a little bit more engaging in terms of having to employ like maybe sharper strategies or whatnot. So I'll see how it how I feel, and then later in the game, uh, I'll report back when it comes down back to review time for this, I suppose. So I don't, I'm not not like wholly disliking the game. There's just a few small things here and there. and just like, "Hmm, not sure if this is my preferred way to do it.
1: Yeah, huh. everything we, like I've seen and like uh, from you playing it and like we've talked about, uh, like it's just like kind of one of those things. Like, I'm not like super down on the game, but there are already like kind of like almost like warning signs, like preemptive warning signs. Like, I don't know if this is like a thing I really wanted for them to do in the game. But, like, in between how demons demons work and like how just very dull the Soul Matrix environment looks and how how, how long you spend wandering it. And like and just like the general like weird flow of the game and like how how expansive the Soul Matrix is like very early on, like and, and it's just I don't I don't know it's, it's yeah I'll, I'm definitely gonna play it and beat it but I have I have no idea at this point how I'm gonna feel about it.
0: Uh, I actually haven't really talked about this, but um, I I don't want to say too much, but maybe I will yeah. just say too much anyway. The the uh, so the Soul Matrix is sort of like this optional dungeon that you go through where each character has their own like version of it, like Arrow, Milady, and Sizo, and they each have five floors. So there are 15 total floors of this dungeon, I believe, I, I might be wrong. Um, and early on in the game, you get access to the first floor for each dungeon, or for each character, and you go through each of them, and it takes maybe like, if you're pretty thorough in fighting enemies and getting demons and whatnot, three or four or five hours uh, to go through these floors. And then I did like the main story dungeon, which takes, you know, an hour or two. And then like the next floors of the Soul Matrix open up. So I'm like, I'm back here again for a couple of hours, I guess. And like, is that going to be the flow of the game? Where I'm like, Soul Matrix main story, Soul Matrix main story, Soul Matrix main story. Is that is that what it's going to be? I'm not sure. Seems like it. So we'll see. Is this yeah. do the main story dungeons and the Soul Matrix dungeons have the same like visual? No, environment? Soul Matrix always do. It's like this abstracted, cubish environment. There are a lot of like floating cubes everywhere. It's not like earthly. Whereas the main dungeon was a subway line.
1: Same it reminds me of like Chow. Have you uh, Chow? Did you play Fate Extra?
3: Um, only a little bit.
1: Did Did you remember like the, the kind of like the Matrix areas in that game, like the dungeon where? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's, like, I like, know what you're cubes. talking about. And it, it reminds me of the uh, of those the, uh, the dungeons uh, aesthetically. In uh, it's kind of like a wireframe,
3: or... yeah, cubes kind of kind of way to describe it
1: yeah it's sort of like that in uh too. In that environment it's just like it 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 just i just wish i was a, i hope they like find ways to like make make it more visually uh varied as you continue exploring because if that's just going to be what it's going to be like um for the I'm remainder sure. of those floors that's gonna suck
0: that
3: wow color swap guys it's now red it. this time <laughs>
0: Uh, so far, I got, I got to the second floor of each, and it doesn't look any different. Oh boy! So,
3: but well, uh, despite how you know boring maybe the gameplay is, how is the music? I heard the Kenichi uh, Okabe team is working on this. So and you know, well, yeah,
1: so it, it, yeah it's, not, it's, not, it's not, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not Okabe specifically. It's like the studio that he found. Yeah,
0: up, that's right, why I said, to you. yeah, Man- um, Manaka is already uh, on this. Some of the music is pretty good. Um, i actually specifically like the shop musics there, there's several shops in the game uh one's got like this sort of like vocal like scatman type music it's kind of fun and one's got this more like lo-fi um sort of vibe to it um and then you know there's some energetic battle themes and you know soothing other melodies here and there so it's pretty good
1: yeah it's it's very it's very quality like outsourced the music and um mm-hmm. Um you know, it definitely understand.
0: doesn't feel like other games because it's not Meguro or yeah. um or uh I forget the name of the snt T five. I know Meguro did some there, but
3: the other uh, composer.
0: Are-
1: yeah. So sorry for getting already too now that you put it on the spot. But it's it's mm-hmm. cool because like you know, maguro Meguro um recently went freelance, you know, a few months back and you know, off to go to do other pursuits, and he'll still be working at Atlas like on a contractual basis, like a freelancer uh sort of deal. But it is cool that like one one of the first like big projects in which they 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 like they went uh, uh, branched off and like well uh, enlisted other composers for a project. It's like it's very, very like compelling, you know. I have liked everything I've heard about the, the the actual OST of this game so far.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool that you were able to give us a little bit of a preview impression on Soul Hackers, the things that you're feeling pretty good about, the things that you're not sure about with like the the Matrix dungeons and things like that. Of course, that comes out in late August, so I don't remember exactly when the full embargo comes up for that game, but we'll revisit around then for full discussion on Soul Hackers 2. Uh, Obviously, Adam will get a chance to talk about it. I don't know if other people will get access as well, but we'll see. All right, I do have a window here for me and potentially James to talk about our ongoing adventures in Xenoblade 3. So obviously we still want to talk about this game in a spoiler free or like as spoiler light as reasonably possible environment as we can because the game has only been out for like a week. I am at the section of the game that Adam and James really alluded to uh, and probably a couple different podcast environments where the game is in I think seven total chapters. Is that a spoiler? I don't know. The I'm they in specifically a chapter, asked us not to re, not to reveal that in the embargo. <laughs> oh, the thing is though, is that the chapters are like we yeah, talked about matter. how no. they, don't, they don't they don't they don't really designate anything. There's nothing you can really glean from that number. It's completely arbitrary. Yeah, i no, refer-
1: the game's fully out, so it doesn't really matter. But like, um, right. but people should know like if they if they if they think that's a low chapter count, just know that like the chapters in Xenoblade Three are far 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 way longer than what chapters are like in previous Xenoblade games. So especially I mean, after
2: that, Chapter Two.
1: Yeah, having that number alone doesn't actually like dictate tell or, you like, anything, signify of like how long the game actually is. Well,
3: so I'm in like, a consistent in video games,
0: right? So, I'm in chapter uh three, which is like the second major environment of the game, but it's in the first part where the game opens up and says, like, Go have fun, and Adam and Josh. When they were previewing, uh, had preview access to the game for their different, for Josh's review and for Adam's guides, which by the way, Adam has written several guides. So if you have any questions about Xenoblade 3, hopefully we've got it up on the site in terms of classes and CPs and EXP and uh, unique monsters. And he's even made maps for that and all that sort of stuff. So go check it out. And I've played not all the Xenoblade game, because I still haven't played Cross, but I've played, you know, one and two. And uh, I'm still always just kind of impressed by like, you think that at some point I would get used to like the scopes of these maps and being like, yep, this is a Xenoblade game. But I'm like on the second map and I'm, I'm approaching like the 30 hour mark. My character's around level 50. Uh, and every single time I feel like I'm about to like, maybe I should progress the main story now. I'm like, wait. I can. I now have. Uh, so, Xenoblade Three has the bonus EXP system that was, I think, first introduced in two. I don't remember if it's in one and yeah. definitive edition. Uh, it, no, it, it,
1: like uh, definitive edition has it because you level down into expert mode in definitive edition, but oh yeah, baseline uh, Xenoblade Two uh, did introduce it.
0: So every single time, I'm like, all right, all the other areas are way too strong for me. I'm like, oh wait, I have five levels of worth of bonus EXP, so I can just now. I'm at the. I'm at par again. So now I can go up into this area uh, of this map that I had to avoid before because the enemies used to be 20 levels higher than me. And in a blink of an eye, not really a blink of an eye because I'm at like the 30 hour mark, I can now explore all this way. And it's like, Jesus. I mean, so I'm in the second map, which is fourness which introduces you to characters like Ethel and colonies 4 and 30 and things like that. But then it's like, oh, there's a whole a whole ass desert on the east side of the map. Oh, there's a whole ass cave system on the west side of the map, and each one is taking me like hours to thoroughly explore, which is like this style of game. I I talked about this on the podcast in like a few different contexts where this like really sings to me. This is like my favorite type of RPG where the the the, the initial story premise of Xenoblade 3 is very very straightforward a character tells you that you should head towards a place and that's pretty much it and along the way you learn about the you know the how the world works and you're, a few more mysteries are teased and a lot of those things i don't know how they resolve um there was a scene in the second area where uni comes across something very interesting that the game like very deliberately is meant to kind of confuse you and be like what's that about i don't know um so I can't even spoil it because I don't even know what it is. But I'm just totally like not, all of my gameplay right now is just Wanderlust. It's just, what's up this way? I wonder if I'm strong enough to take on this Ignis uh, unique monster. Nope, uh, I am not. He kicked my ass. Uh, well, maybe I'll go this way and come back when I'm stronger. Or maybe like I just got another hero that's another attacking type hero that uses like uh, ether rifles, um, Gray. And he like works really powerfully in chain attacks and things like that. So I'm like, maybe now I can take on this monster. Oh, yeah, he was a lot easier now. And now I can explore behind him. And I really I know James when he's been playing this, he's been like uh, having I don't know. uh, I don't know how to word this. When you do the reservations, that's a good way. When you do the side content, I know when I get back to the main story, I'm going to be completely overpowered. And I don't know how I'll feel about that at the time. But I'm kind of like putting it out of my mind right now because I'm having a good time just not focusing on the main story and just like exploring and just going around and trying to challenge myself like, oh, these monsters are four or five or six levels higher than me. But I think I can manage if as long as I like have the right party composition and make sure uh, that I there's been a couple times where I swap out my hero and I'm like, oh, shit, now I don't have a healer. Oh, no. <laughs> or things like that. Um I I don't know I I was I was hoping that I'd come into this podcast today because last week we talked about Xenoblade Three for an hour, uh, in pretty glowing contexts in pretty much all respects with a few like tiny nitpicks here and there, uh, and I wanted to be like all right I'm going to bring something to the table where I'm going to put on my criticism hat and talk about something that you know on a on a on a more serious basis something that I feel like the game should be doing better and I'm having difficulty coming up with things. The game's um, economy is weird.
1: Yeah. That's, That's like, like, they come out to your use for money in this game. Oh, yeah. yeah money, and the, the,
0: coins, ether cylinders. It's just kind of like odd, like the economy. Yeah. So it the really is nitpick. Like, it doesn't bother me that much, but it's yeah. just kind of like you get so much money that you rarely have to spend. You fill up on coins and gemstones and ether cylinders very quickly. There's not enough things to spend those on. So <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Yeah. I'm at the point now where I'm already ignoring ether uh, channels. Because I'm capped oh, yeah. out, and I've even found some extra like of those Hulk things that you have to recharge with those. But I'm like, nope, still don't have enough to spend. And now, whenever I see a shop, I just like buy one of every accessory. I actually do appreciate there's a shop that you expend no point con no point no pawn coins. I don't know why I struggle Not with on. that so much. Not pawn coins, and I'm like, hey, that's actually like stuff. I don't know if I want to spend all these here, so I'll just buy one or two of the accessories and then wait, uh, or something like that. Uh. So I am basically like, I haven't progressed very far in the story, but I am at the point now where like the premise is I've got the full party, I've got heroes, I've seen the full chain attacks and things like that. I actually understand how the chain attacks work. It is so interesting when I was watching, when I was watching Adam play pre-release, I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense. What the hell am I watching? Uh, With these like Brave (laughs) Orders or whatever. I told you, it's like, you just do it a few times and it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, no problems. and I remember the exact same thing with the Xenoblade 2 U i with the, like when you pulled in like your um your blades or your yeah the the orbs and like and you had the hero icon showing up on the left or the right side of the screen and sort of to chain together uh it ends up making perfect sense, um but yeah, I haven't progressed the story much. I've been just completely just having a blast, honestly, just wandering, exploring thoroughly, not bored at all It's I don't know. Can't speak too highly of this game.
1: There's like, there's like a cathartic quality to it, where like you just like want to wind down from like a really busy day, and there's like it, it is a very like viable like just chill out game for a few hours, just mm-hmm. kind of just going off on your
0: own doing shit. Like I think, I think the way you put it before, Brian, is it's sometimes nice when the game just sort of shuts up and lets you play. Mm-hmm. but the thing is Zenoblade the nice thing about xenoblade up, yeah. is is that there's the plenty of quest cut scene, scene stuff too. Yeah. the, the cutscene direction at least along the main story with the side quest you can tell they go more towards like canned animations like where the right. whoever the antagonist of the quest will say like you know time to fight and then everyone just does those are generic pull out their weapon animation like right. all at once and that's a little bit like it's a side quest i it's fine but like in the main story, like. I, I remember even when Xenoblade 1, 1 first released before the Definitive Edition, like, man, they do, like, bespoke animations and, like, really interesting camera angles and cutscene direction and storyboarding. And so, like, if you don't want the game to show up in an really play, if you really aren't just enjoying the narrative, I could have just, like, beelined that and enjoyed that aspect of the game and have, you know, the game opens with, like, 30 minutes of cutscenes. So it kind of has both in equal measure. Uh so they, if someone asks the question like, "What is the pacing of Xenoblade Chronicles Three like?" It's kind of like, well, it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of up to the player. For
2: but me, the pacing it's, it's,
1: it's, is. That's with some caveats, though. It's like it's like after like the first like several hours, yes, yeah, it's up to you because you know it's it's very much like I was very put off initially at the very beginning. I was like, okay, right after the tutorial battle, you have that big thirty minute cutscene of like of like them as like the younger kids and like what the oh, yeah. training was like. And it's like, wow, this is very weird. <laughs> like, sh- right at the, after the tutorial battle, and then you kind of have like that whole swath of like tutorials, step by step tutorials. Like, it's not until you actually um, start unlocking colonies, your first colony, and then letting you do your thing in chapter three that like you can dictate the pace.
0: I will say that the field skills are i i I'm, i mechanically I like them a lot better, but narratively they almost feel like an obligation where it's like, oh, we have to have field skills uh, because the last game had it, but we have to do them better this time. Uh, this this the, the first two that you get, I think one story required and one isn't, uh, but both of them are kind of just like, by the way, you can do this now. And there's not a lot of like context around it. And which maybe is fine. Like not everything has to be explained, like within the context of the characters of the game narratively, but specifically the field skill that allows you to progress around the desert area more it's literally just like. By the way, you should do it this way. Oh, okay. Now we can do that. All right. Now you can explore these new things. And it's just like, oh, why? Why was that even a thing? Why didn't you just let me do that in the first place? Like, I, it didn't like have that Metroidvania aspect to it where it's like, oh, now I can go back and do this. Uh, at least not. At least not in a way that I thought was very engaging. And that's a. That's just a nitpick. I, I almost feel like the game just doesn't. Field skills in Xenoblade Two were criticized for good reason. Um, and they were a hindrance and an annoyance to deal with. I almost kind of feel like having them in Xenoblade Three, even in this even in the way that they are, just doesn't it doesn't the game doesn't benefit for having them. Uh, that's kind of a nitpick. It doesn't really suffer for having them either. They just kind of feel there. I, I, I kind of wonder,
1: right? Because like if you had no field skills and you can like explore the map however you want, you would you would have the you would feel compelled to just like fully explore zones from the get go in Xenoblade Three and like prior Xenoblades, like that, like the like the the field skills are more like a mechanism, like the, less so narratively of like why they are there, why they should make sense. But I feel like they're just like a main mechanism to like, kind of like, it control exactly. your yeah yeah control your your urge to like explore every single inch and centimeter of the world uh, from the get go. Like imagine if there are no field skills, you would spend literally like eight to nine hours. When you first enter a zone, because you want to scope it out, if you're that kind of player, like me, I'm a sicko. I would do mm-hmm. that.
3: You know that that reminds yeah. me of a different game in Wild Arms 2 when they introduced the search system where you're trying to press a square button, trying a square to all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I I fucking hate that system, but yet it's in every game after it implemented it from two. You know, it sounds like the same logic to me.
0: Well, maybe they could have just done like so the the first. Field skill you get is vine climbing or whatever from Valdi, and i'm pretty sure you have to get that because it's it's on the story path but, but they don't like explain it like i think there's like a throwaway line that he's good at climbing yeah <laughs> it's and I, 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 hey maybe he's just good at climbing well, but i think like it's because he's a nerd robot boy you think he can't climb <laughs> but i would say like maybe they could say like he like has like he because he's an inventor right uh and tinkerer like maybe he like invented like grippy gloves or or something like that yeah, <laughs> and he's like by the way you could borrow these uh so i don't know even that would just be like instead because instead you do his quest you unlock him as a hero and then it's like fine climbing unlocked and it's just very gamey and i don't know even if there was just a line like okay, oh hey, try hey, to put, it, put it. Go ahead. you want
1: real environmental stories telling telling think about When you first learn scree walking from Teach to go up sand, when you go up sand, you can see canvas soldiers there up there to your left. Did Teach teach those uh, soldiers to walk up sand? Mm -hmm. Mm, That doesn't make sense. It really makes a thing. (laughs) Mm are you just like a just like a blank slate like every, everyone around you knows how to scree walk and kind of climb up vines already but you you are just a baby and you don't know anything <laughs> well, so it's kind of like it's kind of like the classic jrpg
2: thing, thing. go ahead james i think the thing that fucks me up is that there's like sections later on where it's like oh yeah use the uh, field skill for vine climbing to climb this it's not vines; it's just like a great and it's like you needed to be taught how to climb that, even though it's basically no different from a regular ladder.
0: Yeah, you can climb up ladders, but you can't climb up grades until you have Valdi on your team. Or, look, man, because. you
1: try to do that. in like, you try to climb up vines the same way you climb up ladders in real life. I'm telling yeah, you, I just guess.
0: have Valdi give you like grippy gloves. And then there, I would have no complaints because you just have grippy <laughs> gloves and I can climb up all the things. I will say, though, this there's a session on the East Games, too. Yeah, yeah like Even East blood. games are basically like, here's a new icon in your uh, in your menu sure. that is tells you why I can climb vines now. Um, uh, I will say though that on talking about the scale and scope of Xenoblade games and the environments, like there's a section in the left side of Fornis where like you just kept climbing up and up and up, and eventually you're like on this giant overhead walkway. And I think a lot of the Xenoblade games in several areas have done that and it's just like man the verticality of these games just even even after having experienced it in both 1 and 2 and as apparently it's to an even greater extent in cross due to the skills uh, i'm just like wow um yeah the game is not like fully open world and if you travel from one region to another like the loading screen actually is like distractingly long But if that's like the trade-off for running this on a on an underpowered console, uh, but still having the environments be as contiguous as they are for as the size that they are, I don't really have any complaints. Though there were a couple parts, like when you met Teach um, in like his office uh, for the Mm -hmm. first time. I don't know why, because it's a smaller environment, but for some reason, I felt like that scene was like really pixelated. Like the dynamic resolution for some reason was really low in an interior environment, and it was like distractingly bad. And normally, I'm pretty like ambivalent to a lot of uh, like how well a game runs or how how strong it looks but in that game I'm just like man I wish I could just like up res this in some way no wonder people are like looking up how this works on Simu and things like that uh, out in the environment it doesn't actually bother me because I think like I calibrate it to like the scale of the game and what it's doing but when it was in that interior little room and it was still like a low dynamic resolution I'm like man uh, that's the, I guess that's the trade-off
1: that's uh look man the nintendo purchase of monolith soft was in some ways just like the weirdest purchase at that time because monolith soft just their, their their imagination ambition knows no bounds they're like we're gonna make this thing run no matter what <laughs> i will say though
0: uh i will say though that uh, i i am pleasantly surprised at how fluid combat feels even with, like, seven characters on the screen. I remember, like, when that was first shown and announced, like, oh, dear, how is this ever going to hold up? But, like, I don't, it feels, I don't know. Like, I, I, thought, I thought it would be distracting. I thought it would be, like, really cluttered. I thought it would perform terribly, and it really hasn't. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe I'm just, like, a boiled frog at this point. But, like, all characters on a screen at the same time, I acclimated to really quickly. It almost feels weird to think about, oh, in other games, you have to switch out people, right?
2: Well, where are you at right now, James? Where am I at? I'm in uh, chapter 5. Uh, I think I found my one major complaint with Blade 3.
1: I think I know what this is. <laughs> Go on.
2: Why the hell is level down something that's locked to New Game Plus? Because mm-hmm. like, I would be done with this game by now, but I've been kind of sh- like, caught in choice paralysis because I don't want to get too overleveled, but I want to do all the side content because most of the side content's good this time around. But if I do the side content, I get over leveled, which kind of takes the weight out of uh, the story battles and whatnot. And it's like <laughs> Xenoblade Definitive Edition—you could level down, so you could do everything and not worry about. It. You could still like bring your levels down to make things not a joke. But... I think that's only
1: in expert mode in Definitive Edition. You have to like toggle the, uh, that on, and then but yeah, but they still allow but you, you could, to do. It you could, yeah, you yeah. can
2: do it whenever though. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's like,
1: it's just. Yeah. I, I I don't know why they didn't uh, do that for this game too, oddly enough.
2: And it's like, I'm not the only one that's feeling this way. Like I have a yeah. buddy of mine that just finished the game and he said, yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest, like the biggest issue he has because he finished the game and saw that unlocked and he's like, why the hell is that a new game plus thing?
0: This like, isn't just like a Xenoblade issue though like in final yeah. fantasy 12 if you do hunts and explore optional zones you can beat the final boss in two hits You're in right. final fantasy 10 if you do the celestial weapon quest you can beat the final boss in one
2: yeah I mean,
1: it's, it's, it's not it's not a new problem xenoblade 3 for sure but but people are definitely like i i can see why people feel like that because xenoblade 3 is like you know sort of the first xenoblade game that kind of has like really really good side quests <laughs> to <be>
3: also,
2: <laughs> it feels like the game is kind of balanced around. If you don't do any side quests, you'll be perfectly on level for the main story. Yeah. It feels like it's very easy to get over leveled really quickly. Yeah.
3: It's like that meme that ProCD made. <laughs> it's like where yeah. it
2: feels after a... when well, you meet
0: the final boss after doing the side. Content. Well, I, th- I think it's more frustrating and apparent in Xenoblade Three because the level down mechanic is like right there, and it's been yeah, utilized. Yeah, and it's like it's, it's a great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I feel that I feel. That. I th- I thought I thought James was gonna go on because he's in chapter five. uh There's like a certain thing that like. Yeah, oh oh know.
2: yeah yeah. Um, there is a there's a certain a mechanic. There's a oh yeah, it's in a trailer now. Yeah, in a that trailer. boat has the jankiest jankiest controls for a boat I've ever felt in a video <laughs> game. It's like it's not bad because it feels like how a, like a weighty boat should be, but it's also like. This area is so big. There's some sections where you need to be somewhat precise while moving it around to get through someplace. Why is it like that? Why can't I just turn it on a dime when I'm not moving? Why do I have to either be accelerating or reversing in order to even, like, fucking turn the thing?
1: I, I, I told James, I was like, I, I'm, uh, it's, it's weird to me how, like, you're, like, one of the first to complain about this, because I thought I thought... Uh, a lot more of my friends would like complain about this like that people i know who've like already gone way past that part but never mentioned (laughs) or complained about it because uh because i remember i complained to you adam when i first got to that part i'm like this controls like ass (laughs) it it feels better to Uh, control uh, it in reverse
2: i was actually just about to say
0: that cd even said that like i like controlling this boat in reverse (laughs) (laughs)
2: easier somehow yeah it's true it's true but yeah i mean yeah, Regardless it's, it's, of those two issues, one probably... well. They,
0: they watch them patch the um, yeah. level
2: down thing, and then it's just like, oh, that's fixed. Yeah, but it's it's not going to do anything for me now. I'm just going to have to be over-leveled, which is... oh well. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of nitpicks. And, like, there are a few side quests that are still kind of uh, shitty, like, uh... Whoever decided... To make make Alliance. that, but also whoever decided to make the Xeon Ascension quest like that, <laughs> oh, yeah. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. <laughs> I remember Josh and I so were talking funny. about that.
0: That was like the first one we did, because it's one of the first ones that's available. And it's just like, I hope the other Ascension quests aren't like this, and they're not. They're uh, not, but yeah, that is that is that that is quite an arc in, the, in
1: that Ascension quest. It's like <laughs> someone <laughs> really hated, <laughs> I don't know, something.
2: Yeah, I think the thing that fucks me up with that is that the story for the Zeon Ascension quest is good. It's just, what Why'd like, you got to yeah, do? Like, yeah, yeah, uh, the,
1: yeah, the, like the, yeah, the narrative is like funny, actually, but the execution is like, why?
2: <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you? Get help. Seek help.
1: I thought it was going to be like fucking Sakata would come out into the game uh, at that point. It's like, all right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I'll probably be likely playing Xenoblade 3 for a good while longer. On um, the next game I have on my personal like, radar, I was I was kind of interested in Digimon Survive as like a curiosity, but I I got to watch uh, Josh play a bit of it and I'm like, mm, maybe if I have maybe if like September is open, I'll squeeze it in, but now I'm just kind of like Xenoblade and then I'm I, I am still interested in uh Soul Hackers 2, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what Adam thinks once he's able to get further into the game if he thinks it holds up or not.
1: Sorry, I've forsaken Digimon preemptively,
0: <laughs> and I still do like the idea of once more people have played it, having a a, a spoiler, like a spoiler warning cast for oh, later. The cast. Re- yeah. Store, yeah, yeah, I guess a spoiler cast for later revelations in that game, but that will likely be in a month or so once uh, people have worked their way through it because uh, it is a very long game and easy to get distracted and take a long time to get through it.
1: Before we head into like the the, the shout outs and the, uh, the news, I just wanted to me- mention real fast that um, in that same week when the Z- uh, Xenoblade and Digimon Survive came out, uh, the Square Enix also released the uh, Octopath Champions of the Continent mobile game for uh, global. Uh, so I kind of tinkered with that a little bit. I can't say I really like it because, like, it it is it, it is definitely like it has a gotcha system it's a mobile game but it's it's very much styled in the way of another eden same developers so it does play more like a single player rpg there's no like multiplayer elements or friends lists you have to like worry about uh, and there are like smart like kind of advancements to the octopath formula just so just real fast like the but the, the way they like set this up is really weird because like the at the beginning of the game you kind of, i think the name of the continent Oct- october sounds like austera or something yeah um and they kind of go to the lore of like how the god uh, how this god made austera and whatnot and like at the very beginning like this uh, mysterious traveler like finds like your character at, like at the start but like you don't have like a player character per se like you summon like from a pool of Five stars, a guaranteed five five-star character at the beginning of the game. And they're more like a, a vessel for you to move around, more so than actually like be a character themselves. The main narrative element that like binds the player to like the villains, uh, which are the main focus of the game, is like this ring. It's kinda of, kinda of like this Lord of the Rings thing, and like there's, there's this ring of power, divine ring of power that you possess, and like the the and the three big main villains possess as well. So instead of Unlike how the original Octop- Octopath Traveler on Switch, which later came to PC and Xbox Game Pass, um instead of like you having uh those eight separate characters are different paths and like you can progress them like however you wanted to. Uh, the, the the main uh downfall being these characters really never acknowledge each other's existence uh throughout it. This one is just like it goes it, it kinda doubles down on that where like your your party doesn't really Matter, they don't acknowledge each other. The only time you ever interact with these characters is like through their like side stories, and like, uh, and like it's weird because you can do like the first chapter of side, uh, side stories for characters that you don't have, and like after the end of that side story, first chapter, they say if you want to know more, go roll them. Basically, you know, it's like okay, I'm thanks. surprised
0: they don't give you like a basic version of them, like an R version, like here's the basic whatever.
1: Nope. No, huh. because, because because the SSRs have like um, like, like it's weird. Like, say the the SSRs ha- have a, a version of them where you can uh, roll for them as the full five star, or a version of them where it's like it's four star, but there's like an, a, a, a a like a an empty five star slot, and people refer to that as like the, a four point five star, or like you can upgrade them to their full five star. It just requires a lot of like late game grinding to get there if you wanna earn that or you can just like naturally by luck roll their five star variant which is very much like how another eden did it Uh, like there's not anything new for that developer it's the way they've designed it uh like that is a little frustrating but that's what it is i I mean at least there's a way to do it in the game um but yeah that's just how those side stories are the main the main focus and when you're uh, uh going through the main story is like you're sort of like Taking a like a spectator role into like what the these villains are doing in their respective towns, They're like these three big villains. So, like in this game, there's like three main towns, and like in the Path Traveler, like there's like a series of like pathways to to travel in between the towns. And once you discover discover the towns, you can fast travel to them, and you can like progress like their chapter ones, their chapter twos, their chapter threes, uh, and so forth. And then you you kind of just like see you know uh, installments of like hey this this uh this villain that embodies wealth is like you know seeing uh, taking a look like how she's exploiting her workers and there's like a whole slave trade and human trafficking uh story behind that while in um in the villain that represents power uh power is uh, you basically have this um tortured soul sort of like a an alchemist almost uh who's been blackmailed um to like uh uh, for human experimentation like almost make them like zombies and like i assume that's like a, a, a progress to a plot to like try to fight a mortal uh, immortality uh through that so th- it, it it flows a little bit better than uh octopath traveler did it because it kind of just it it kind of makes no um it's it, it doesn't make any excuse of like of the players of the player themselves having any agency it just basically takes the shift off of them and like tries to make more compelling stories of like the actual worlds and stories themselves while this while the player is just more of a spectator role and like the characters that they have are sort of just like they're more of a sideline but at least like you know you can still like you interact you interact them with them in the way that like you're like helping out like this uh like these rebels uh rebel against like this um evil ruler
0: well in the context uh, person, of a game where you roll for characters Having that sort of framework where it's like, yeah, these characters don't really interact, but they're not supposed to, it actually kind of makes a lot of sense. We're not about yeah. traveler; they're just like eight heroes who live in the same place but never talk. Hooray! <laughs> but yeah. here, here yeah. it's a little bit more gaming. You kind of have to just like let it lie. But in yeah, it, people will approach every battle with different rosters depending on who they happen to roll, and the game it, it is just have, like, go ahead. It, yeah, it does have like the like the talent, like the the skills as well, right? So like instead
1: of like. Like some have like the wealth uh, uh, affinity, some have like the fame affinity, some have like the power affinity. So like every, like like in an Octopath, any, any NPC that you uh, come up to, you can interact the uh, with them, um, and some you can interact through that wealth affinity, some with the fame, some with power. So like say um, a ca- a character uh, NPC that uh, you can interact with like the power affinity, like they have uh, certain items, so like you can actually challenge them to a battle, and if you win, you get their
0: um well i did yeah. i forget did the base did octopath go with wealth fame power mm, i don't I, think I, it was I, the I
1: exact don't... same yeah i don't think it was the, exactly those but it's very similar like fame for example like this has like the reputation system in towns like octopath did so like if you like if you uh negotiated someone hey i want this this item there's like a rng chance based on like your fame affinity of like getting this uh uh item for them. It's like I remember I remember like Therion yeah, could track. steal,
0: Oberic could duel. Um mm-hmm. yeah. I forget some of the other ones. Like what could Hanet uh, do? I don't remember
1: I think I think Truss can like negotiate and like b- 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 barter with them, I believe.
0: Um yeah, I, my, I think... the the character that I picked as like my starting main or whatever was Theron. Therion, uh Uh mm-hmm. so the Huntress was it Hanat or something
1: uh, like that? Yeah, Hanit. Yeah, I forgot exactly what they all did. I forgot if they ever overlapped as well. I forgot they they were all unique or like they actually had like was working off of like a one or two. Um but yeah, it, it has that sort of system that Ognopath did. So like there is ways to interact with NPCs like that obviously with wealth, you can just buy stuff of, off of uh NPCs for like any equipment that you
0: need um that they have and so forth. So it,
1: it does oh, have like some of the. Uh, so sorry,
0: I, I, on a different monitor, I've been pulling it up. The, they're like paired, if I remember right. Like Honik right. can provoke, and which is similar to Olberix And then like Taryon and Tressa's were like functionally the same, because you could have a party of four, and that way you could kind of cover all four bases. Oh yeah, though, like, the, yeah. The, the exact reason, uh, the the exact I guess flavor was kind of written to match the character. So yeah. it sounds like in the mobile game they just kind of retooled that under this new uh, wealth fame power paradigm as well, which is that's fine. Yeah, that's fine.
1: And, and as you're as you're completing quests uh, and doing stuff, you're like constantly like leveling up like these influences uh, as well. Between like you can know, have like fi- fame level three, your power level five, and wealth level six or something. And as you're uh, as you're um, leveling these up, to like gain you like passive upgrades, like you'll get like your physical attack up for higher. Power levels, and then like uh, for wealth, if you if you uh, level that up, you can um, like sell things at a higher price when you visit um, markets or like uh, sellers, mm-hmm. and um, and then like uh, fame, like I forgot what fame does, but one of them is like increased walk speed and so forth. So you you know there there is like certain systems behind the scenes that like you get like pa- passive progression as well that's like party wide. And um and, and I think the the most interesting thing about this game that will I imagine uh, will uh, go into like a theoretical future octopath game is like that the game uh, you now go into battles with eight characters instead of four like in the original one and there and like swapping between them doesn't consume a turn so like say you can have like a character like attack um and then like the next character you can like switch on over to like their their other character and then choose from there like repertoire of skills and without consuming a turn so they just kind of like just swap positions as their turn goes up so it, it kind of makes battles way more fluid because your backline is like restoring hp sp and like in their boost points uh in, in that turn so you always have like um options available to you uh, offensive and defensive options available to you so everyone is like kind of doing their part whether they are like saving up boost points for like a big attack or like being proactive and like healing like the front line, like there's sort of synergies like that. Like if you have this character in the back line, they will like passively give their front line person an HP. Like that could be a character trait for one of the characters. So it like uh, like battles aren't just like a pushover. It's very much that octopath. Hey, you have to uh, discern like find out the enemy's weakness, and then as you're hitting weaknesses, you'll uh, take out down this break number, and then once you you have them broken, you'll do a lot of damage, and they'll be like uh, stunned for a turn. As well, so you know it, it. It is very like on paper. It is very much like almost octopath, octopath traveler 2 just in this mobile game gacha format, which is you know not amazing, but Both. it's uh, doable. Here's a
2: question: So, What's is a, there like an actual like completed story here? Or is it like uh being updated with like chapters or whatnot?
1: It, it, it is. It does have like content, like story updates over time. I know in the Japan version, they like. Finished their first arc uh, several months ago, so they're like in a new story arc. So there, is, there is an actual end to these arcs, um, from what I understand. And then there's like side activities too that are like all con- like the like, like another Eden. All the content updates and like and all the side stuff that they add is all permanent. So like the arena, like the challenge arenas well, that are that's like that are pretty difficult. But you can earn character like a character from them, and like any other side activities that you do, they're all they're not limited time but like the special collab gotcha banners like with near bravely default and i think now triangle strategy um like those those are limited time but everyone everything else um seems to be permanent
2: from what i've heard from friends that have played the japanese version you don't need any of the banner stuff for anything story related or even to get through the game comfortably it's all Mm -hmm. just like if you just want to play the game and deal with the story it's basically all free from what i've heard
1: I i i guess i don't i can't really speak to like how like late game pat like st- stuff is because there's you know there's a meta like always and i don't know exactly like if there's certain content that's like it's like just very very difficult if you only run like low rarity stuff i'm sure people have done it but like it's like a maybe a, more of a more of a grind than people are really do to, to for me through.
0: it's like the way you describe this uh i don't know if i've just been spurned by actually trying near reincarnation mm-hmm. and then watching you play fma and other things where i'm like i as much as i liked octopath traveler despite its flaws what this really makes me excited for is a proper octopath they they whatever they learn from this game being able yeah. to like a, a, a character party uh changing how they factor in the story so that they can have like the same level of freedom that they did before uh Maybe having Octopath Two take some ideas from the mobile game and incorporate it without the gotcha, and then I'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the yeah." Show. But... I I I, th-
1: I think they I think the foundation is there for them to like for Octopath Two to like be really something cool if they if they take the right lessons from this game because I think they mm-hmm. I think this game is like on some level a lot of experimentation too for what they
0: want the next entry to be. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, everyone, for talking about uh, your experiences with the games in the last in the last week, and the last month, and especially, Josh, since you kind of seem to carry the, the torch on most of these games this week, as me and James are sucked into Xenoblade. But uh, we will follow up on all of these games as we go forward and into uh, later into the month of August and look forward to Soul Hackers. Are there any other like August releases that we're looking forward to, or is it kind of Soul Hackers or Bust? Let me pull up uh, Adam's... Uh... Oh, yeah, the SC Gun and Battle Alliance. I'm I think I was really looking forward to that. They,
1: they keep on showing off new trailers and suits coming. And I'm like, man, this game's really fun. I enjoyed the demo.
0: So I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. So we'll have that on one of the up there, uh, upcoming episodes of the podcast as well. Uh, for shout outs, there's not a ton here. Uh, the main one that I've already kind of given is that we have gotten a lot of primers and guides up on the site for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, Adam has been the majority of the effort behind those. So Adam has kind of like digested the game down into like an an encyclopedic science. So even as I've been playing through it, I've been kind of keeping tabs and uh, trying to make sure that all those guides are as up to date and accurate as possible. And it's a massive game. So Adam really put in a lot of effort to that. So kudos to him. Uh, Alex Donaldson also did put up a feature about Golden Sun. Golden Sun. uh, This is a little bit of a tangent and kind of out of nowhere, but it did have its 21st birthday i believe uh in the last week and basically it was just talking about obviously that was produced by camelot published by nintendo and that studio is now working primarily on like mario golf and um tennis titles about the potential for that series returning since it's been over a decade since dark dawn a little bit of wishful thinking but we can always hope and dream as for our main story this is something that i don't think should surprise anyone Guys, they're making a remaster for Tactics Ogre. They just announced it wow. this week. What Have the, you heard? That's all oh, of nowhere. nowhere. Oh, Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, well, exactly.
1: Uh, how, how did this news drop? What time? And <laughs> this was
0: uh midnight was, Pacific time. <laughs> yeah, yeah so what, mid- what day was that? Is like in the middle of the week. Like so the it, it, it was like it was like a Tuesday night. Uh, let's see, August fourth, Wednesday night. Um, it was like a Wednesday night like you said, midnight Pacific time uh, just just a blog post did it even have a trailer? it did have an announcement trailer yeah, it okay. did. yeah, all right so we did we did get a one minute 45 second announcement trailer. Of course, if you haven't been following this story, the reason why we're taking the piss on this announcement a little bit is because Technic Ogre reborn has leaked in three or four different fashions over the last year first first appearing on a gforce leak with along with several other Square Enix things showing up on a classification board uh showing up on a PlayStation store listing, probably something that I'm forgetting and all the while never actually being formally announced by Square Enix. Uh it's been formally announced now. It is a thing. We the the November 11th date that was shown on the on the store listing has been confirmed. Uh the Consoles have been confirmed. It's coming off of PlayStation 4 and 5 and Steam, which we could kind of have gathered and from the Switch, fact that Switch. it had a. Yeah, I was Congrats getting to that. Sorry. I was getting to that. <laughs> I was saying that we the, the PC release wasn't a surprise because it showed up in the GeForce listing. The, the PlayStation release wasn't a surprise because it showed up on the PS uh, store page and the PS, like the deals website, whatever it was. Uh, it is also getting a Switch release. I don't know if that had specifically leaked from the classification board or whatever, but anyways, it's formally announced now. A lot of the details that were that were already like scraped off the store page have been confirmed. Like the, the redone sprites, the new voice acting, the new uh, UI elements. One uh, in the official announcement, one thing that they've also really tried to like put a decent amount of focus on is that like the sound effects have also been remastered as well. So characters, uh, backgrounds, uh, obviously voice acting, UI elements, sound effects. Um,
3: no, we also learned,
0: go I ahead, chat.
3: you know how the main character always says fight it out. When you start vision, <laughs> they said they're gonna bring full voice acting now. Are we gonna still hear the fight it out that sound very generic back in the day, or are we gonna get the actual professional voice actor to say that fight
0: it out line? I don't know if that line's actually like a voice line though. Like that's just kind of a <laughs> you know what? A UI I thing. Write. Yeah, I don't know if he, hmm. <laughs> you I'm get the that. Smash Bros. announcer fight it nah. out. <laughs> Uh, we also learned a little bit about the edition. First of all, this is getting a physical release on Switch and PlayStation, so that's kind of cool. Um, it will have pre-order bonuses for both the regular edition and the digital deluxe edition. Uh, I don't have the news post has it all boiled down, but uh, all of the pre-order just a soundtrack.
2: Yeah, the the digital
0: digital deluxe is is a soundtrack, and then like the pre-order bonus is like soundtrack sampler. If you pre-order the digital deluxe, you get like a sampler of the 1995 soundtrack as well, specifically. Yep. So uh, all the bonuses for the game are soundtrack related. Uh, the, the base game otherwise is I believe 49 99. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yep. So physically and digitally. Um, I don't know. So a lot of these details, we kind of were lucky enough to already know. Uh, we kind of just dis- discussed our, like what we, what we like and dislike about what we've seen. And when with the leaked, uh screenshots and things like that. I don't know if anything really here has been new enough or changed since we last discussed our feelings on Tactics Ogre Reborn. Some people are upset at the price, mm-hmm. which is fair. Yeah. But I um I it's, it is like they are adding a ton of voice acting and UI like and AI like elements and changes and whatnot. So it's there's kind of a weird like almost like lose lose situation here where If Square Enix puts out a game like Chrono Cross, prices it low, but then like barely makes any updates or changes to it, people criticize that. And then like a game like this where they price it higher, make a bunch of changes to it, people criticize the price. So you know, we'll see. uh, We'll see how those changes you know actually you know functionally manifest and uh, once we actually get our hands on it, but. You know, out. it's a fair criticism. They, $50. they still,
1: they, they still didn't uh, confirm or deny whether you would uh, have to be able to toggle the sprite filter on or off. So they
0: did know. say, they did say that the uh, the uh, I forget the wording, but they're like the sprite art is preserved. It's like, are you is sure? That, it's like, hmm. Yeah, they look washed <laughs> out. Like some,
3: it's like that restoration with the Jesus, you know, with the painting where it looks like <laughs> a monkey. Just <laughs> touch <There's laughs>
1: <bunch of> everything. <laughs> the same looks better
0: god damn it if we were still doing our old style thumbnails i'd totally make that a thumbnail or something he's <laughs> so good so i could at uh, least be our
1: podcast title or something just restored jesus <laughs> i don't know
0: Restored
1: jesus <laughs> i don't know will we get in trouble for that, if we, if that title? <laughs> I don't, I don't even think cancel canceled. That is so funny <laughs> restored jesus <laughs> um I I, like the only other real thing that like substantial thing that has come out of this that we already didn't know is like hey alexander smith studio is back on for the localization that they uh Mm -hmm. confirmed earlier this morning which is really cool you know yeah i wonder
2: what they're working
1: on because it's not clear
0: if
2: it's yeah you're go ahead yeah like is it new content is it just like voice direction like what's up
0: yeah like or maybe just a maybe just a script edit like just going through it again because sometimes if you add voices to it, you're like, oh, maybe we have to change this line a bit to make it, you know, sometimes when you add voices, you have to like adjust lines to make it sound better when it's spoken. But I don't know. We don't know. But yeah, the original translator and localizer on it is back on the remaster. So we'll see. But yeah. So uh, November eleven. What did, I, what did I say it was? Eleven. Well, but, but the, yeah, on Yeah, I was like, I was like, it's clashes with another Square Enix stuff uh, thing, and it's like a week after Harvestella and two weeks after Star Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, Square Enix like just cannibalizing themselves. Man, this whole year has been like Square Enix, not not AAA releases, but like I don't know. The Square Enix Square in Enix. the past has has always had a tendency just to release a lot. Even if you don't realize it, like they've been on metacritic metacritic list for like most releases in a year, several times. But I feel like this year is just even I want like I wonder what the count's gonna be. It's gonna be nuts. <laughs> the only thing the only caveat to the Metacritic list is they count multiple like SKUs independently. So if it like releases on three platforms, they count it as three releases. But still. Yeah, anyways, uh, this this fall RPG season brought to you by Square Enix. Yeah, but like I'm not I'm not gonna try to go through every single title, but we've already had like Triangle strategy and Stranger of Paradise like already about, this year. There, yeah, there is like,
1: uh, the, I mean t- tangentially like uh, for Square Enix Developers this week they did re- release the financials but in Japanese. Uh, I don't know if, I, if Adam wanted to uh, put any like comment on it or just make uh, English.
0: Yeah, so they put out their first quarter financials and everything is down. I think yeah. the best way they profited was like on the exchange rate, I guess. However, that works out because the yen is so weak. They actually made like a op. I forget if that's ordinary operating profit but it's like the profit unrelated to their operations I guess that's ordinary. Um but uh they had their Q&A which they always do every quarter and they haven't put out the official like publisher translation of it but they're like considering doing like joint ventures in their studios which what that means is is they'll take one of their studios and then like another publisher or company can basically provide capital to that studio and also basically reap part of the reward, like part of the profits. So it's like, um, like, well, is this something they're going to do with luminous or something? Oh yeah. Who knows? Oh. So the, they haven't done anything yet, but they're like considering like joint ventures.
1: It was definitely like a, a weird financial financials, uh, to, uh, period for them because like they, I I'm curious to, to, to see what their financials will look like, uh, but they they encompass this period right but they encompass like the like latter half of 2022 but like fucking everything comes out like what is that going to look like
0: so this recent quarter would have been april through june which actually square enix didn't have a whole lot in april through june so perhaps it may perhaps it's not too unsurprising that their numbers were down but yeah it's weird like they i don't think they mentioned nft stuff at all this time though (laughs) right it's crazy all right 2021 is a big year for the metaverse or whatever <laughs> that's how they started the new year like okay yeah i wonder
1: what's our new, new year's message uh, next year
3: please yeah. buy the cloud nft from the figure shop yeah
0: all right <laughs> and then oh, yeah. we didn't even like we talked about harvestella and star ocean and uh tactics ogre remaster and what was the fourth and one Valkyrie. Valkyrie. There's, Valkyrie. there's also crisis reunion somewhere and Dio field and and minstrel, minstrel song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, minstrel song. Those that's not dated either. Jesus. Nope.
3: <laughs> what well, date was the uh, Front Mission remaster?
0: Oh yeah, Front Mission. Although that's uh, technically not published by Square Enix. It's kind of weird. Um, well, it's like Frontier Entertainment. So <laughs> thank, thank you, Square It's like, it's all like all Square Enix. Bread. It's like Square Enix licensed out the, the IP, and it's literally being developed and published by like Frontier, even though it's a Square Enix IP. So kind of an awkward situation. But Yeah, that's, that's supposed to be summer, and, you know, it's already August, so it's like,
3: hmm. We've completely forgot about front mission, guys.
1: I, I always forget it because I just assume it's delayed in my head. Yep.
0: The other major RPG news uh, from this week is another Nintendo RPG property, and that, of course, is Pokemon. We had the Pokemon Presents with new details about Scarlet and Violet. And okay, guys, I did not pay attention to this when it, uh, when it first was announced the news but before this podcast i was like all right i'm gonna read up on this i'm gonna watch the trailer i want to be able to speak to it as an authority on this and i just like i don't think i've ever read like new details on a game and lost interest so quickly i had a hard time making it through this uh so pokemon scarlet and violet we got introduced to a lot of the characters we got a new trailer the trailer was very interesting and in how it's it, it opens up by saying like There is voice acting in this trailer, but it is not present in the game or something like that. Uh, It talked it showed like a lot of the areas of the of the new uh, region. It showed um, a few new Pokemon, but not a lot. And it went into detail on this terrestrial terrestrial terrestalization. I have no idea what you call this. Basically, the new gimmick for this uh, generation of Pokemon where they take on like the appearance of a gemstone. And it's kind of like Mega Evolution or, or Gigantamax, where it can take place only once per battle, and you have to recharge it. When I looked at this this new terrestrial Poke phenomenon thing, I just I could not find any interest in it. It just I don't know if you guys took it took away anything a little bit more positive on this, but I just I think, to me it just yeah, seemed like it, a complete gimmick. The, the there's one angle of it that makes me
1: really interested about it is because terrestrialization, uh comes in can cover different types like normally um Pikachu's an electric type, but if uh the uh, uh if it, some Pikachu's if they terrestrialize they might retain their electric types or uh, some might like turn into flying or some might turn into water type like the, the example they gave in the trailer is like an Eevee is usually a normal type but some Eevees can if they terrestrialize, they'll turn into water or grass type. And th- and think about like the the competitive scene of Pokemon and like how that will shake up like the competitive scene of like especially one on one Pokemon battles. Of like when they place out a Pokemon and they terrestrialize, it's they have to account for like, oh, this Pokemon might just, just change into like a completely different type in the middle of combat. Do I have tools to counter that? Uh, uh once they terrestrialize? you know,
3: it sounds very broken and unbalanced.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it does, but it also kind of makes it interesting too. Uh, the but that's from an outsider's perspective, like from a spectator's perspective. You know, I don't play. Competitive Pokemon, but if they were, if that were, if that was like if this mechanic is enough to like kind of switch up that dynamic, uh, that'd be interesting as a spectator to see. Um, that's that's how I uh, think about it. But you know, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, it, it looks really cool in the way that like they make the the Pokemon's textures into it, like a gemstone type. I think they kind of look like toys almost <laughs> uh, during it, like a like a Christmas ornament or, uh, ornament. Um, but it's a. It's an interesting twist from that competitive angle to me. I don't really know or uh, know if like what the bigger ramifications are. Maybe you can weigh in, James, uh, because you you know Pokemon. I don't know Pokemon, but James does.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a Pokemon expert. I kind of fell out of Pokemon pretty hard at like Gen 6, Gen 7, and I only kind of started getting a bit more into it with, uh, the Sword and Shield DLC and Legends Arceus, so I don't know what's up with the current like competitive or anything like that. Uh, I would imagine that there it'll eventually kind of consolidate towards here is the meta Terra type for the meta team. So while there might be people that try and deviate from that, it's just going to end up being like if you're playing competitively, chances are you have this type for this Pokemon. So like. It's going to be more interesting for the casual players, I feel like, even if, like, I guess there'll probably be, like, a bit more time before the uh, competitive scene decides what's the meta type, because there's, like, if, like, we don't know, like, how many different types of Terra types each Pokemon can have, if they can just have any typing.
1: Yeah, because, cause, like, there'd just be, like, 18 total types, but we just don't know, like, if that'll be available to every Pokemon or some Pokemon, and what, what limitations are there. In the game, so that'll take a quite a bit of time to like kind of scope out, I imagine. Um, and, and it's also kind of cool too that like when they were talking about Terra raid battles, because you know some of these rare Pokemon are, are some Pokemon have like rare Terra types, and you can like uh, you go through like a competitive raid battle with others to do them. So up to four players can go through these raid battles and have a chance to capture them. the 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 cool neat thing is like you don't have to wait for other players to end their turn. Like everything is like on a cooldown basis, so like after you use that attack, you only have to wait for your cooldown to finish to act again. You don't have to wait for Jim to spend five minutes and be like, "Uh, do I want to attack or do water gun?" I don't know. That's like, well, in the, uh, not, James, in sure. the old
0: raid battles, like I, I've watched people do raid battles, but like only infrequently. Is it completely turn based? Like, if it's someone else's turn
2: in a raid battle, you just got to wait for them to act. Um, everyone chooses uh, what they want to do, and then it does the turn order based off of the uh, speed and whatnot. Uh, so but it's like, round does, based. Yeah,
1: but yeah. you have to wait for them to make that uh, the you know make their decision. So this is an interesting like kind of mix up to it, and there, and you you can plan around it too, right? Because if you'll if you'll act right away after your cooldown, you can like actually like time like party heals if that if, that, if it'll allow that, or sort of like support type uh, like. Uh, buffs and debuffs and like status of liquid changes.
0: Now I'm thinking and,
2: like, like ATB Pokemon. Yeah. That'd be no, kind of interesting. And I do then, wonder, since max raids are back, if they're gonna have max raid dungeons, because I know that the Sword and Shield DLC had that future which was pretty nice, where it was like you borrow a Pokemon and then go into like a series of raid battles and there's like branching paths to get to the end and, like, fight a legendary Pokemon, and, like, you have a chance of capturing it and whatnot. Like, that was a really cool feature from the uh, DLC for Sword and Shield that I ended up enjoying quite a bit. So if uh, Max Raids are back, I, I do wonder or if... Terra Raids, see or whatever they call them now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the other big news out of this is, hey, your legendary Pokemon seems like they join you early in the game, and they're your vehicles to traverse the open world. <laughs>
2: yeah, so I, I, I saw that. Don't I don't know necessarily... I don't know necessarily if you get them that early or if they were just showcasing them to let people know that there is like an additional. Oh, yeah, good, good point. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't know. It, it seemed early, but maybe you're right. Just maybe for marketing purposes. I do. It, enjoy my favorite,
2: the-
0: my favorite part of the trailer is when there's four players, because obviously this game is multiplayer, which they didn't really touch on that a ton, like specifically how it worked. I don't know if it was buried in the press release, but it showed like all four characters on their like legendary bikes. (laughs) And I'm just like, it feels like they've just been demoted. Like, yes, you are now the
2: mascot legendaries of this gen. You are demoted to traversal. Can we just appreciate or I guess not appreciate kind of like point out how Caridon is probably one of the most pointless legendaries of of all time? It's like, what do you mean by that? Uh it's it's the uh the ancient one, like the uh non-futuristic dragon thing. Uh it has wheels. It doesn't yeah. use them.
1: <laughs> yeah. I because they, they, the, like uh, throughout the channel they to show like the animations for Karaidon and Raidon. Um like they have different like traversal animations, so Karaidon is like more animalistic, so like it, when you ride it, it like uses like its uh feet feet and arms to like kinda like maneuver around like in a more animalistic fashion. So it has the wheels, but it doesn't use them. It just like kinda uh uh goes around and waddles around like that. Meanwhile Maraidon's like, I'm gonna turn to a fucking motorcycle. And you and you literally just fucking turn into a vehicle and like go, go through it. And that's that's how it is. Like it does it like in a Mario Kart fashion too. So like when it goes to like water mode, like M like dog paddles through water while Maraidon's like, I'm a hovercraft now, bitch. And <laughs> It's fucking hilarious, actually. That, that was the funniest part of the the trailer for me. Is like kind of I'm like, why would anyone want get, to uh, get Scarlet now for Charizard when Charizard is like seems like ten times cooler to traverse around? I don't know. It would I don't be know a
3: Mario Kart collab with Pokemon.
1: Uh, I I feel like Scarlet people. I don't know. They they seem pretty suspicious now if they go Scarlet
0: after this uh, trailer. We also got a, a couple new Pokemon. It seems like yeah. the star of this show was Fido, which is like a Fido. dog Fido, which is like dog dough, literally dough, D-O-U-G-H.
2: Mm-hmm. So like
0: a dog pastry. He is a fairy type, but he is both firm and soft at the same time, apparently.
1: It's <laughs> so ears are donuts. Yes.
0: Uh, we also got a, a poison type whooper, which is just a regional I-
2: variant. I feel so bad for that Wooper. I have a buddy of mine that he was watching the uh, the uh, trailer, and as soon as that Wooper variant came up, it's like, well, no, why? Why'd you make it brown? You're, you're, now everyone's just gonna mm. call it Pooper. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they also have a uh, Titan uh, Teravale Pokemon. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's like a spiky ball, but it has
0: limbs. <laughs> yeah uh, I was gonna uh, say like uh, what what I don't know what animal is this? I don't know what to s- describe this. It's like a land whale with armor and spikes. It's ice type though, so that's kinda interesting. but I saw someone say I think it was Serebi, maybe Joe Merrick, like we've learned about ten completely no Pokemon, and everything else has been a regional variant, and two of the ten are legendaries and three are starters. I don't know if that's the normal cadence on Pokemon releases or if that's lower. It feels lower, but I guess I don't know for certain.
2: It really depends. It feels like it kind of changes depending on the generation. Like I mm-hmm. remember like Gen 5, they really started. Well, not Gen 5, Gen 4. They really started showcasing new Pokemon like early on. Because I, But I guess part of that is, comes down to the fact that I think Gen 4 was delayed a year. So they probably had plans and whatnot. Gen
0: 4 also did a lot of the um, new evolutions for existing Pokemon, so that's kind of a a nice marketing angle. That's when they did, like, Electrovire and Tangrowth, I think, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really interested in this game mostly for the multiplayer aspect and, like, the open-world nature of it. Like, the, the opening trailer for this, it does really, like, have... It it evokes the same feelings that Arceus did. And Arceus, I thought, was kind of a fine little template, but I, I think it did lose its luster kind of quickly. It'll be interesting to see if a more traditionally styled Pokemon game, but still with some of that in mind, might be. I might don't be know. Normal.
2: I don't know. Yeah. I really got into Arceus. I, I kind of went crazy with it, honestly. Uh, but um, it'll be interesting to see how I feel about this one, because I think... Aspects of Arceus that very specifically weren't traditional Pokemon were some of the things I enjoyed the most. And mm-hmm. as a result of this being a more traditional Pokemon, there's some like quality of life changes that they've kind of reverted. Like in Arceus, you could catch or battle a Pokemon, then it's just a seamless, okay, you get your XP, you're already moving. And it's like you could like throw a Pokeball at a Pokemon and just without even checking, just start moving away. And if it gets caught, it gets caught. You get the XP, you get the Pokemon. It's seamless. That's not in this. Like, if a uh, if a Pokemon levels up and uh, whatnot or it gets an experience, it's like there's a a very specific pause, like in the older games, where it's like you have to wait for that to go through before you can continue and whatnot. So,
0: yeah, it am be interesting to see if it feels better to be a little bit more uh traditionally like paste in that sense or if it would be like oh i wish it worked like it did in arceus in arceus there was a few things where like i thought it was interesting like the sheer quantity of pokemon that you caught and like a lot of the way the pokedex worked in that game was to incentivize that it's like i want to catch uh you want you wanted to catch several several copies of pretty much every pokemon in the game if you wanted to fill your pokedex up uh and the traditional games from my memory having not played one since gen four admittedly didn't have a ton of like if you had one that was a good nature that was kind of pretty much all you all you really wanted to catch multiple pokemon for was to get the correct nature but it'll be interesting to see how the uh how if pokemon scarlet and violet is really trying to shake things up and take the best lessons from the sword and shield dlc and uh, arceus uh if it really changes it up and is kind of like the shot in the arm that some people have said the series have needed also a november release like november 18th so squeezed in between and after all that square enix deluge of stuff the the month before i don't know pokemon's
1: going pokemon's gotta be shaking uh, uh, uh being in the shadow of uh tactics ogre
0: so one of those early november releases from square enix that was first revealed back in uh, late june is harvestella so uh, there's been a few updates to this game since its initial announcement earlier in the summer. Uh, one of the which was people have done some sleuthing on, I believe, the Australian classification board. And they saw that the developer of this game is being published by Square Enix. And they haven't like formally announced this, but based on the uh, classification listing, it is being developed by Livewire, who is the studio behind uh, Enderlilies, which I know Chow and Adam played, I think, last year, and both thought pretty highly of. So it's kind of cool that they're now working uh, with Square Enix on this title. The uh, the update here to Harvestella, which is releasing on November fourth, uh, detailing the city of what was it, Namia, which is like the like the city of Eternal Spring, like it's always blooming there. And talking talking about some of the characters that you meet there, one of which is the teacher. What was yeah, her the name? Teacher name is Estina. Estina, she, she like she's like a manages like a, or works at a orphanage
1: or contributes to. Uh, orphanage in town so she's like one of the kind of characters you'll get to meet um i assume she'll be like an ally as well uh fights i'm not sure if she if she, if she joined in battle or not um but you know she's like being uh, uh like a room factory type game i assume you can like probably date her um <laughs> it, also this uh update uh shows a, a new job uh the sky lancer Yep, Sky lancer it's funny because like the when they first showed off the the classes it's like it's like here's your fighter and here's your mage, and also you can be a shadow walker. It's like okay all hmm. right, okay, sure and then now you can be a sky lancer you this is uh obviously a lance in battle he has uh wide sweeping uh attacks to deal with multiple enemies at once um they showed off a little bit more like the the crops that you can uh grow they have like fun little. Uh, names for common crops that uh, that we grow in, real, in the real world, like strawberries are straw buddies, cucumbers are cucumbers. And then, I'm excited you know, for this. Yeah, it looks really neat. So, yeah, that's kind of just a little bit more info about uh, on the upcoming release for this game. And it's thought it'd be uh, fun to share uh, as it ahead of its uh, November 4th release.
0: I do like on this, uh, a lot of this information comes from basically uh, Square Enix's website in just a blog post that was published uh, on the 3rd. And I like how they're like daily life, fishing, daily life, uh, like getting spring produce, and then like daily life, shipping, how you can like take everything and like uh, you earn money by shipping fruits, fruits, and vegetables that you harvest from your fields, and you can use machines to process your goods to make an even to sell them for an even higher price. And I don't know, yeah, it just is, like
3: a factory on steroids. It, kind of, it,
0: it all feels like Factorio almost, where it's like, yeah, you can be a, a quaint little farmer, but we are we're we're now a shipping industry. We ship our cucumbers <laughs> all over the all planet. All right, Chow. <laughs> all
2: right, Chow. As the Rune Factory expert, what's your read on harvest Stella? Do you think it's going to be better than Rune Factory Five? I put.
3: I put an 80% chance of it it will be.
2: But it doesn't have romance,
1: right? Or it hasn't been confirmed? It has, like, it's like we don't know if there's actual romance, but there's, like, character stories that like you can get to learn more about the character. Mm-hmm. If you, if you can date
3: actually... the MILF, a 100% better. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> uh, excuse me
1: uh, Robert, re- re- say, say that again, child. Verbatim. No.
3: <laughs> what? If you can date mm-hmm. the MILF in the, fu- in the Rune Factory games, it would have been a god-tier game, but you could never do it.
2: <laughs> Obviously the podcast title has gotta be Can You Date the Melf?
1: <laughs> well, we'll yeah, I'm sure will sure be good. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah, it'll sure go great with the, yeah, with the but search in,
0: queries. <laughs> in this uh in this like blog post, there's an icon of a UI element talking uh showing astina and like your affinity level with her. So chances are over okay. the coming months we'll have we'll be uh introduced to other characters from the town and uh Probably kind of do that normal like Rune Factory roster of people that you can probably date, though we we don't know for sure. But yeah, this game looks really charming and really relaxing. Uh, No new footage other than the initial trailer, but a lot of new screenshots in this blog post. And then another blog post for another game coming out in September... This is Made in Abyss, Binary Star Falling into Darkness. Uh, we've had a few incidental updates on this game since it was first announced and since April through the summer. We've, we have learned about the two game modes, how one of them will fall, uh, follow the story of the manga and one of them is a game original story. It seems like this update is mostly about the game original story, which is the Deep in Abyss mode, which um, just features kind of a nameless main character who becomes a cave raider. Basically, it talks about two things here. One, that characters from the anime will make appearances in the original story. I don't know if that means there's some sort of canon order or if it's just uh, kind of a it side is, story. I believe it said something like when you start the original story mode, uh, Rico and Reg are already at the bottom of the abyss yeah. or close to or, it. So they're already above a levels down. So. Yeah. So you're kind of like trailing right. along behind.
1: This is so weird because, like, it says like, "Oh, as an original character, you could take on a uh, quest from like current white whistle whistles like Oz and Bondrude." It's like those are some pretty major characters, and they're not really, uh, you know, morally great. Let's say. <laughs> Especially Bondrude. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just gonna get quests from this dude, huh? All right. Uh, as as the community likes to call, he's, he's called Don- Bone Dad in the community. But um, yeah, that's really. That's really something uh, I'm very curious. And then the, uh, the, other,
0: uh, the other thing here is it talk, details a very short little paragraph about the notebook feature, which is basically an in-game encyclopedia that the main character carries. Uh, that uh, kind of is an encyclopedia of characters you've met, items you've found, um, creatures encountered, things like that. So I'm sure there's going to be some sort of like collect-a-thon aspect to this game in some fashion that'll be captured in this notebook.
1: Pokemon Legends RCS2. Here we go. Mm. I don't know. I mean, that's I. I just I really wonder what this, what sort of quests you have to do for Ozan and bondrood because they're definitely not characters that are I would expect that you would interact with normally. But who knows? That's weird, man. Man, you're you're just reminding me of like how good the the new season of of Made in Abyss is right now. Yeah, very uh, very fun, lighthearted, jolly go lucky show.
0: That's how it goes, right? Yeah. (laughs) I totally trust you. Just like <laughs> <laughs> I game with, like, with a game like, with a name like Made in Abyss, how could you not? Right. And that pretty much covers it for major stories or even like game updates for upcoming titles. We do have a few like release date announcements uh, or changes for upcoming mostly indie games here. Um, a strategy RPG, Venara's Tactics, launched on PC on August 4th. So this was one of the games that we kind of covered, I think, in brief in one of our summer uh, indie kind of rundowns that we've done. So obviously, late July, early August has been a deluge of big games, so we haven't had anyone cover Banaras Tactics yet. Maybe we'll have someone poke at it before the end of the year, but it is out on PC. It is on Steam and GOG. Tower of Fantasy launches on August 10th for PC and mobile devices. I think Adam was covering this game, and I don't know if you had expressed interest in this or if it uh, had any other it details is, behind it. It. It, is a, it is a Genshin Impact-like it will, yeah, inform you.
3: Killer?
1: It, 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 it will inform you right away what kind of uh, uh, game this is. It's very much uh, crafted and structured like uh, Genshin Impact. It'll, it doesn't look like Genshin. It's just it's like just, character design. Yeah, it just yeah. has a sci fi twist to it. Um, I've been kind of sort of keeping an eye on this game. I don't know if I'll try it out when it releases. Um, I don't know yet. Uh, I I am sort of curious, but I'm just like I don't know. I
0: don't know, man. Well, it's kind of interesting because so the Steam page still doesn't have the date on it. It just says uh,
1: the the Steam the Steam the Steam uh, yeah the Steam release comes later. The, it'll have a PC client separate from that, but the the Steam and Epic Games release uh, for it comes later. Which is ah, okay. Yeah, I mean, but you you can like uh, transfer your account to them when those come go live. Um, it it is one of those things that like for if you want to play this on PC. You should probably get it on the ground floor because it has like um, limited time stuff at the launch of the game. That like you get a lot of good freebies, uh, but like they, a lot of them expire after like the early September. So if you were if you were if you were hoping to get into this game like by the later through the Steam and Epic
0: Games release, like you do miss out on like quite a few stuff. Well, every uh, once in a while, when a game like this releases on Steam, they'll be like, "Now you get a Steam bonus where you get a cosmetic little Valve icon or something like that."
3: Yeah,
1: but, yeah. yeah, but 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 these uh, like bonuses are like much more substantial to than right. that. Yeah, so I was
3: you know to say didn't they show like a new trailer for that other. Game from Hoyoverse that they recently made.
1: That uh, Zenless Zone Zero is in closed beta right now, and like that's been making the rounds on like on what the what the gameplay is like in that game. It seems to be like a like a dungeon crawler in the sense like you go you like visit nodes and then is that like, the action and,
0: game or the turn based game? The action
1: game. Which one was so, like turn based game? Uh, Honkai Star, Star Rail. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and and like it seems like Zenless Zone Zero is like, hey, you 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 proceed through like this dungeon. Like in a linear fashion, like you go through like these nodes, and like some nodes have like challenge uh, challenges, like you can't use this certain ability or type of attack. And like, and, and but it's very much like a, a flashier, like a flashy, like Honkai Impact Third style of game. Uh, it seems like with a with a, us uh, with an urban theme around it, which is you know, seems all right. Obviously, since like it's the first closed beta, so there's, so there's like a lot, a lot will change with that game, I, I assume moving forward. So. You know that's kind of what's been going on with that. So yeah, T- Tower of Fantasy. Uh, it seems to already be seeing some changes from its original release in terms of like scheduling. Like I think the first uh, limited banner on release is going to be like Nemesis, and apparently that's a character that like that didn't show up to like for a few months after its original launch in China. So they're already switching things up um, for better or worse. And I think they want to like get to like their 2.0 uh, release uh, as soon as possible with the with the global version because it seems like that's like when people started really liking it. I don't know.
0: Also in August, we're getting a DLC to a game that released last year and that is The Ascent. The new DLC is called Cyber Heist, which is, I believe, $10 and will continue the game after the main story of The Ascent. I think I'm the only person here that played it and I thought it was Like, it's one of those things, we see this a lot with DLC, where it's like, I didn't love the game, I thought it was fine, but I'm not really excited to, like, pick it back up to play just a little added on. Yeah, like a year later, remember, like how did this game play what was my character build and things like that well so. i think you watched me play the final chapter the final boss of the ascenter yeah but it, it came out last really summer right it's been like a year yeah no but so. i just remember like the final boss was like really really frustrating uh, it's like a, it was like a wave based thing it's like just mooks and mooks and mooks uh, all over the place but yeah and the game like wasn't story heavy it was more like exploration based and they're like, now your, your former employer will recontact you for a new secret mission. I guess I don't want to immediately just poo-poo on this DLC. I guess the fact that there was so much distance between the base game and now, like, I I just have moved on sort of thing. But I guess now, if you are if you haven't played The Ascent, it does have a really fun, like, soundtrack and really, like, well-realized cyberpunk aesthetic. Though, I, I say well-realized, though, it did have that thing where they just randomly put, like, Korean symbols everywhere without yeah. any regard for, like, grammar or language. <laughs> so... Yeah. Maybe not in so in so many respects, but uh, it does have a new um, cyber edition, which basically ba- uh, bundles the base game and the new DLC together. So maybe if there's really good word of mouth, I'll revisit. But uh, I'll just have to wait until that comes through. I do like how in this um, press release for this new DLC, they're like, "By the way, we're also selling a new plush for like a oh, character yeah. that I don't I don't even remember." Like, okay, there's <laughs> a new a new. The Ascent Plus for the iconic character Noghead, which I don't remember they, who
1: that. Is. Uh, that reminds me, they just had a uh, like since we're on the on the subject, like uh, I guess a, a GSC event event like for Figmas and stuff. Uh, like got uh, came out like their catalog was released like yesterday, and like that like there's so, there's some funny ones. You have like, a Mio Figma already coming in the way from Xenoblade Three. They also they also have a Figma for Torrid from Elden Ring, the horse
0: coming. <laughs> uh, hey, that's fun. That's good.
1: Best horse award.
0: Uh, I was it's thinking, like, old. if I wanted, if I wanted an Elden Ring figure, what would I get? Um, some, of the boss, some of the bosses might be might be fun. What's the What's the name of the witch of the floppy hat? Oh, oh yeah, Rana. Rana, Rana. Rana. would be good. You have to have the floppy hat,
1: dude. You can, you yeah. have, dude. That'd be great. Adam, you, you, you haven't had, even like, played Elden Ring
0: yet. Adam, go play Elden Ring like right.
1: You can have Rani and Mio face because they share the same voice actress in English. You oh, I didn't know that.
0: And the last bit of news is that uh, an open-ended simulation RPG, Potion Permit, I think I've seen this on like some YouTube channels that talk about like cozy, like comfortable games, like Witchbrook and all that. Uh, Potion mm-hmm. Permit is releasing on pretty much everything. Uh, PlayStation 4, 5, Xbox One, Series, Switch, and PC on September 22nd. I thought this also had a mobile version, but maybe not. Uh, but yeah, Potion Permit. Great. So uh, it's... Looks like an alchemy-focused game coming out in late September with a pixel-based art style. So uh, Adam's got the uh, the release date announcement trailer up on the site. This is one of those games where it's actually been announced for a while, but I wasn't clear if it was like an RPG or not. But then they they started explicitly calling it one. So I'm like, fine, we'll cover it. And it's got some like progression mechanics and stuff that you would sort of associate with a light rpg but apparently uh apparently when we covered this game like it caught a lot of people's attention like the people like this sort of you know alchemy potiony crafty sort of game i guess so and and it looks like the one thing that's kind of different about this is that it's your focus on being like a healer You, you take uh like care of residents that have different ailments and you're you're creating potions to like you know cure them, which is kind of a a focus that I think a lot of these games haven't had, where it's more like making spells or things like that, where this is more uh. Some some characters will be uh, mixed to brew medicine, vitamins. As you become experienced, you have higher level recipes that you can help with uh, up to 30 townsfolk. So it kind of has like an Animal Crossing type vibe, or, uh, but in the, in the aspect that you're like the town doctor, which is kind of a fun, different thing that I don't think I've seen before. And with those uh, release dates out of the way, that kind of covers us for this episode of the podcast. So a little bit of a nice uh, light news week, especially in the sense that the Tactics Ogre news had leaked <laughs> several times beforehand. But obviously, a lot of games out at this time, we're playing through a bunch of things at the moment. We're sure we're sure that our listeners are playing through a bunch of games at the moment. We will continue to discuss what we're currently in the middle of as we go forward and into August, and we start seeing things like Gundam uh, SD Battle Alliance and Soul Hackers Two. Uh, there was an SD Battle Alliance update this week. I think you just listed a few more uh, a few more mechs that yeah. were coming to the game. I don't know if you wanted to go over those uh, briefly, it's, Josh. It's, it's
1: mainly just like you know the, the the mechs that you get like for pre-ordering the game and early unlocks. It's it's uh, it's it's. Fun. If you're interested, go check it out. There's some fun footage in there. A lot, a lot of They've been releasing a lot of like combo-heavy videos to show off these units. But uh, mm. yeah, not, not, not a big, big update for it.
0: So obviously, a lot of the recent games that we uh, have covered on the podcast are covered also on the site. We have reviews for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, uh, thanks to Josh. Uh, we didn't talk about it on this podcast, but obviously Live Alive is still pretty new. We've got the review and the guide coverage of that also up on the site. Potentially in the future you might see uh, more Digimon stuff on the site, we'll see, Uh, but then also all the news for Tactics Ogre Reborn, we've got all the stuff from the leaks and the official announcement on that up on the site, as well as all the Xenoblade 3 guides that Adam has put together. You can follow us on all the social media channels, you can just look for RPG site on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can join our Discord by going to discord.gg slash RPG site. We've got a uh, specific channel talking about Xenoblade 3 discussion that we try to make sure that we have really good protocols in place for discussing the game around spoilers. And you will hear from us on the next edition of the TetraCast as we meet again next week. So until you hear from us then, stay safe and take care. We'll talk to you later. Later, everyone. All right, child, You wanted to do the what?